What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Fr- oh, no. Friday, September 13th. Should have seen this coming when I told you to bet on the Panthers. I'm Will Brinson. This is CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. We have a huge show for you today. It is a lengthy show. We are going to break down with the NFL Super Friends, uh, the game that occurred last night in which the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sunk my battleship, beating the Panthers 20-14. to Okay, that was weird. Thank you to whoever did that. Um, and then after the break, we will talk to RJ White and Pete Prisco, and we will do picks and best bets for every single game this weekend. Um, look, no way to really dance around it here. Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner, John Breach, um, Cam Newton's arm. And I, I don't know who wants to go first here. I'll throw it to, I'll throw it to John because I always end up going to John last just because I don't know why, but it's like a left right thing. Breach. Cam Newton looked like crap. He couldn't throw it. He couldn't throw the ball. Like he couldn't, his ball placement was off. He couldn't hit anybody. He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And worst of all, the Panthers refused continually throughout this game to use him in fourth and one and fourth and short situations, including the final play of the game for them when they did a Cool play, but a adorable play uh, with a Christian McCaffrey end around. Yeah, I mean, Cam Newton was ugly. There's no way you anyone who watched that game could possibly deny it. Brinson, if we had been drinking every time Cam Newton was nearly picked off or made a bad throw in that game, me, Wilson, and Sean would be dead. And <laughs> since your tolerance is a little higher, you would probably not be dead, but you'd be hurting. So, I mean, it was that ugly. We're talking about... He still threw for 333 yards, even though he was horrible. He could have thrown for 500 yards because the Buccaneers defense wasn't covering anyone. He was just, he was overthrowing people. He was underthrowing people. He was short hopping people. He was throwing balls out of bounds. I mean, it was like watching a seventh round draft pick trying to make a roster uh, as a third string quarterback. And here's the thing. You brought up the fourth and ones. Uh, The thing about that is that, They let him throw the ball 51 times in this game. That is the second highest passing attempt number in Cam Newton's career. So to me, that says, hey, we think his shoulder is fine because you are absolutely dumb if you think it's not fine and you're you're trying to throw his arm off if you're the Panthers. So that tells me, hey, he maybe he's healthy. But then they had three fourth and ones, and they did not call a QB sneak at all. Three different chances they didn't do it, which tells me, we don't think our quarterback's healthy because he might get injured if we do that. So there's just whole paradox going on. I don't think the Panthers have any idea what they're doing with him. I have a theory on the other side of the ball because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been straight up dog doo-doo for last year, most certainly cost people their jobs. Is like We talked about in the weeks leading up to the season, um, who's, the defense, who's the offensive line coach? Oh, Mike Munchak. Mike Munchak being a huge part of what Denver Broncos were doing that no one was talking about, and he was going to turn things around. It didn't happen in week one. But is Todd Bowles secretly the best free agent signing for the Buccaneers? Because that defense, John mentioned there were guys running wide open. Cam couldn't hit him. But Shaq Barrett was destroying Daryl Williams, the left tackle. He didn't have a chance. Cam was taking hit after hit. They didn't seem to be able to adjust Norvell Turner. And I feel like what they were able to do defensively, their five first five picks were draft picks. Devin White, the linebacker, went out in the first quarter. But Anthony Nelson, the fourth-round pick, recovered the fumble or caused the fumble. It was recovered by, by someone else, Sue, I believe. And I feel like Todd Bowles kept that team in the game while the offense was sort of figuring things out on the Tampa Bay side in the first half. Jameis started playing a little better in the second half. Cam Newton went in the exact opposite direction. They couldn't figure out how to use C-Mac at all. He had one of his worst outings probably of his career. 
I feel like Todd Bowles deserves a lot of credit after, you know, not having a great run in, in New York with the Jets. That would be where you dive in, Sean, is the one guy who hadn't said anything. You see, what happens is two guys say something, and then there's – you dive in. Cause I'm just I'm, – I'm just – I'm sorry. I'm a little bit numb and slow from are just you, walking that. Are you, are you distracted because we're tweeting about the, the Carr family having a hashtag the list about people? That's fine. It's fine. We'll deal with that later. Go ahead. Look, look I don't I, – I'll say the one positive thing about this, and this really feels like I'm taking a giant thundercloud and – and pointing out like, oh, look at that, like tiny little silver, like, like sli- uh, silver sliver. And you're like, nah, that's actually uh, a deadly bolt of lightning. Cam looked like this when he came back from his last arm surgery. We saw Andrew Luck look like this coming back from surgery. It, it when took- was that though? I don't even remember. When was that? Two years ago, 2017. The first two games, people were like, Cam's arms falling off. His ball placement's gone. He's dead. Put Derek Anderson in and send Cam to the moon. You've got to cut him, Marty Herney. That's, that's actually what it sounded like on Carolina, like the Charlotte area talk radio. Uh, but I mean, like Andrew Luck, the same thing it was like, Luck's arm is toast. He can't throw down the field. It's over. The problem is that the Panthers, because of poor decision making and because of very unlucky situations, have now fallen to 0 and 2, both games at home. Um, and they have a serious uphill climb to make if they want to get into the playoffs or not have everyone get fired. Yeah, and it, and it's different when if you're going to take away Cam's mobility, then I'm not saying Cam is a terrible passer from the pocket when he's healthy. But if if this is just going to be the new Cam because because of injury concerns, then you're just you're taking away the biggest part of his game that made him into the MVP guy that he was. So I mean, look, the reason why I wasn't talking earlier is because a it's actually kind of sad to watch a quarterback who has been this good for this long be this bad on national television. Um, but also because Breach and Ryan, I think, hit the, the nail on the head completely. And the thing, the thing, I know it's rare that I will compliment Ryan. Uh, just to reiterate though, Cam Newton was so bad in this game, but you know how bad Darrell Williams was or left tackle? I thought he was the worst player on the field because there were a couple moments there where they had open shots downfield. They had a potential game-winning touchdown that was open in the corner, and Cam just didn't have the time to deliver the ball. And the reason the ball was so underthrown is because he was hit. Um, and they're trying to protect him by not running him, not calling quarterback sneaks, but they can't protect him as a basic passer. So I think that's the concern because, to me, this looks like a kind of Deshaun Watson type of situation where I think he's going to keep taking these hits over the course of the year. So is that shoulder ever going to get fully healthy? I would even say, and by the way, Shaq Barrett, the uh, first Tampa Bay Buccaneer with three sacks in a single quarter since 1991. I would have guessed that no Tampa Bay Buccaneer ever had a three sacks in a single quarter. That's pretty hard to do. Shaq Barrett was all over the place. Looks like a great free agent signing. Um, hey, Brent, let me ask you this quickly because they drafted Greg Little in the second round. I was just looking quickly. The, uh, um, the sure. pan- was Cody Ford on the board? I think he was. That I was going to ask you about this. He was, but so was Andre Dillard, the left tackle that went to Philadelphia. No, not, not when they drafted Greg Little. When they drafted, oh, no, Brian, when they drafted Brian Burns in the first round, yeah, though. Burns has been really good, though. I, I mean, but what's more important, based on what we saw tonight? Well, I mean, I think they thought they had the tackle position. A one-year deal on Daryl Williams, and he is a turnstile, and he is disrespectful. It's disrespectful to turnstiles to call him a turnstile. Daryl Williams is a former. <laughs> he's a former. He's a former All-Pro. I'm just going to throw that out there. How many he, years ago was that? Like three. I mean, he had a major knee injury. Okay, well, that well, usually the Panthers knew that. Right. What's that? I'm the just Panthers asking. Do that. 
Yeah, the Panthers did. That's what Sean said. But I'm saying, going back, would you take Andre Dillard now and just plug him um, in? Um, he can pass protect. He, we don't know if he can run block, but he can pass protect. I, I don't know. I mean, Brian, okay. look, I, look, the evaluation on Brian Burns, I don't think was wrong, and he looks awesome. So I, I'm not. No, I mean, I mean, like, I'm with you, Ryan. Like, I, I like the idea. And plus, I, I don't know what the what the all alternate reality with the pass rushers in the second round would have been. I'll I'll say this: tonight's game felt like we were watching a Mike Shula called Panthers game all over again. Either Cam dropped back and held the ball too long and tried to throw a deep pass when he had no accuracy, which is like, what do you do with that play call? Or Cam dropped back and in, midway through his drop, one of his like tackles got blown by. And so he knew he was about to get hit. And I think he is, I think he is concerned about his body and concerned about taking those shots and worried it'll mess up his arm. And so he's, he's throwing early or he's not hanging in there and throwing them the way down the field, the way he might if he felt completely healthy. What was stunning to me is that if you look at the the way that the game played out, the Panthers opened up and gave Christian McCaffrey, I want to say, nine carries in the first quarter, maybe quarter and a half. And he was the focal point. They were running up the middle, and he looked like he was running okay. But they, they were just jamming him for like three yards up the middle. It was a very bizarre way to use him. He only had six targets. He only caught two balls because Cam's ball placement was all over the place. But that last ball he caught where he, like, he skirted the outside on, on the, on the right. He picked up a first down. Why weren't you doing that all night? And they went away from the run. McCaffrey finished the game with 16 carries. Cam, Cam's arm looks like it's going to fall off. He threw 51 times. What are we doing here, guys? It was, it was a one score game the entire time too. It was kind of what the Bears did a week ago on Thursday night and when they abandoned the run against the Packers. That's and Yep. Not to mention McCaffrey's other catch, which was, on, I believe, on the first or second series. He almost broke it for a touchdown because he beat the last guy but got kind of got pushed out of bounds. So those quick throws to the outside are working, and they're the kind of throws that make it easy on your quarterback and he doesn't have to stand in there. And once the Buccaneers found the end zone late in the second quarter, it seemed like the Panthers – Pretended like they were down 14 points and they needed to generate 14 points. That's because it. That's because it felt to them and to us and everybody in that stadium that they were down 14. And points. they were three yards away from winning the game at the end, which was going to be my biggest takeaway of the night. Which was, fantasy self sucks. And I, I really, and I know it's week two, and you don't want the Falcons haven't even played their second game. But I, if I'm the Saints and I was watching that, I'm I'm thinking we're winning this division even if we only win nine games this year because Saints, Buccaneers. Go ahead. If I'm the Saints, I'm I'm thinking the Buccaneers are better than than the Panthers, and it's not even close. Yeah. Yet, Brashard Perriman dropped a touchdown pass that hit him in the hands that would have put that game away much earlier than it was, and the Panthers should have won given the the Perriman drop. But again, you know, the offense pooped on itself with that stupid play call on fourth down. By the way, Cam did run on the first fourth down, and he came up short. I wasn't crazy about that play. But to the outside, you could just call a QB sneak up the middle. Why are you doing a double reverse on fourth and one at the end of the game? The one that should have been reviewed maybe uh, at the end of the first half, but it wasn't a great review because the Fox cameras were out because of lightning. And maybe the Panthers got ripped off on that one, but they got that one back in the second half with that crazy, horrible spot by the officiating crew. So I don't think... Well, but I, but let's but now look. The, the Jerome Boger's crew had a bad night. I mean, they had a bad. <laughs> they, if we're look, ranking who had the worst night. It goes Cam Newton, then the officiating crew. Right, but on on that call you're talking about breach. I, just report, while we're talking about it, uh, they go over to Bruce Arians to ask it. Like I don't know if they went over there like, hey, coach, do you want to challenge this? They walk over there and he's pulling the challenge flag out of his back pocket, hands it to an assistant, basically like, I'm done with this. Get this stupid red flag out of my butt. And he's like. 
maybe I should rephrase that. Uh, get the stupid red flag out of my back pocket. And, um, look, nobody wants, I got a red flag back here. Like, if you ever walked around with one of these in your butt, it hurts. Okay. Um, I have like, not. Please, I, let's, I, let's I, move on. For the love of God, let's move on. My point is, Bruce Arians, I don't think he knew that he could challenge it. I think he thought once a two-minute warning occurred, it was on the officials to challenge the spot, and he gave away the challenge flag. He didn't challenge. It was insane not to challenge it. So no, that's definitely because, like you said, he gave it to his assistant. And if anybody wasn't watching the game, uh, I think Moore caught the ball with, like, 2.04 left. And by the time he got tackled, the clock went down to the two-minute warning. So Arians probably – assumed that it would be officially reviewed if it was going to be reviewed and he didn't realize it was on him since yep. the play happened before the two-minute warning right and but my my point so is i don't know that the refs gave that back the refs hooked the panthers up with a spot but bruce Arians could have thrown a challenge flag and that was easily getting overturned oh they showed the replays and like i mean joe buck and troy aikman are 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 are, not, are like any of us would be in their jobs you're not going to like eviscerate bruce Arians. You know, like, like, what is this clown doing on the sidelines? You know, you're not going to do that in the Fox broadcast booth or the CBS broadcast booth. So, uh, but I, I think that I thought they did a good job of questioning him. But I mean, like on Twitter, it was like, Bruce Arians doesn't know he can challenge this. So to my point, Breach, I, I don't know that they necessarily got one back there. That was the only, I mean, look, it was a clown show the way the, the Boger and the crew was running it, but they got the pass interference call right because the ball had not been thrown yet and you can't review pa- uh, illegal contact. Are you sure about that? I mean, Mike Pereira came on air and was like, this should be passing. He said that. No, no. He said if the ball was in the air and they show the simultaneous side-by-side picture where Newton was throwing it and the interference was happening, and it was literally like the ball – it was an instant – I agree with – I I agree with – I don't – it wasn't pass interference, but the NFL replay system is so messed up that the officials can watch the replay and be like, there is a clear and obvious penalty – However, this right. penalty for even though it's the same exact penalty as the other one, my, you know, besides this one very minor detail, we can't give it to you because it's not reviewable. But this other one is reviewable. So, but, it, we, but we do agree that if the if you call pass interference or you throw a flag to see if it's pass interference, the ball is not in the air. You can't yeah, go back and say illegal contact. That's true, right? Yeah, yeah that, that is true. That is just true. not a reviewable penalty. And they can't call defensive holding after the fact either. The only thing they can review on the play is if 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 the Buccaneers would have pulled down the receiver's pants. <laughs> they couldn't do anything. Literally could not do anything. But wait, John, John, what if there's a red flag in the guy's butt, though? <laughs> but the, the, I mean, the, the point is, like, the NFL didn't have the foresight to think through that. And of course, but that's not Boger's uh, fault. Well, okay. okay. Uh, anyway, Mike Pereira said they could have called it pass interference. I think they probably could have. Uh, they, t- they took, they marched the ball back to the 30 yard line there on that face mask. And then they're like, all right, uh, hold on, actually. And, uh, and well, like, Pereira right. said the claw was so close, he would have erred on the side of calling That's, the interference. He didn't say he would do it. I think you mean erred, but yes. No, uh, John's <laughs> right with that. He's I'm going with the uh, medieval. Uh, additionally, you <laughs> know what you're Shakespeare, Brinson. Yeah. You know what else they didn't do, Ryan? Oh, that safety call. Where it's, where it was ruled a safety by Peyton Barber. I think it was a fumble. I think the ball was out before he was down. Uh, they didn't review it. It was a scoring play and they didn't they even have to review it. it. How do you know they didn't review it? Cause they didn't mention it once. They would have told Joe Buck they were going to review it. They would have known they were reviewing it because they would have stopped and looked at it. I think it was a safety. I don't think he fumbled. It's Jerome B- Boger, like your uncle? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> this guy had a horrible night. Why, why are you saying that? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Waiting. You just see the look in Ryan's eyes when you said that. The opportunity has finally arisen for him to use it. Sir, this is a Wendy's. 
Jerome Bunker going to William and Mary? Like, what's the deal here? I'll try to flip the script. Uh, listen, that 30 yard line walk back was, was a clown show. He then announced, I had, there were two penalties and then he only said one penalty and then walked the ball back to the 11 yard. Yeah. He, he, less talk, more action from Boger and the crew. I, I think the only issue for me was the, uh, the, the spot of the, that fourth down. They messed, up, they messed up the replay in the first quarter too. I'll tell you that. Oh, they missed the uh, they missed the Vita Vita helmet head to the. Uh, hand they missed those, they missed those yeah. in every game. But I will say in the first quarter again, the side angle cameras were not working, so they only had the sky cam going and a camera from like the top nosebleed section. So you did not have a good angle of that review, and I didn't think that would have been impossible to overturn because nothing was straight on. So yeah, I, I mean, I, there's nothing you could do there. Well, and look, let's. I mean, I'll say this too. Like I think that. Ron Rivera, this is tough because you don't, it's easy. It's so much easier to soak it in when you're at home watching when you versus, you know, coaching the game on the sidelines. But like Ron Rivera made kind of two mistakes on those challenges. Like he, I mean, I understand why he challenged him, but he should have known that there were only two cameras and it wasn't going to get overturned. I know he can't see the broadcast, but also, I mean, no, but I mean, like it, so surely he knew there were only two cameras, right? Like, what might not have. talking about? The first challenge he threw, I think I am very the fourth and one in the first quarter, Ryan, when Cam Newton fell Cam, like a foot short. Yeah. Cam Newton had a first down. Do we agree on that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Can I? Can, I, I think he had a first down, but oh, I got one more. But just on the other challenge, on the pass interference challenge, and there was two fourteen left, so I understand it, but it cost him a timeout. Um, so it should not have thrown the pass interference challenge. Is that what you're saying? I would not have thrown it because okay. even if you think it's pass interference, there's no freaking way these guys are overturning that if it's that close. You may not have known the rule that no one else knew about the legal contact. You can't well, that's, call. Well, that didn't, well, that's it, on that, Rivera for not knowing the rules. That's on Rivera for not knowing And that. the other thing is if they did not challenge that pass interference, they would have had two timeouts left when they failed on that fourth down to the very end. Mm-hmm. So the Buccaneers would have had to get a first down at their own one-yard line, exactly. or they would have had to punt the ball back to, Tam- or to Carolina. So, I mean, challenging that interference, which you probably shouldn't have, Completely change the complexion of the game. Well, in, in, in that case, Jameis is not taking a knee and diving forward into the pile. Which, right. by the way, you tell me, Cam can't do that on a fourth and one. Well, like, that's what so, that, that was what I was going to say. What I'm confused about is it seemed like everyone on Twitter was theorizing the reason they're not running quarterback sneaks is because they're afraid of you know him getting hurt. No, but no. the fourth down we've been talking about in the challenge, Cam is going to get hit worse if he's running outside the pocket and a defender has a free hit at his knees and. The, his other, his only other carry in the game, he fumbled, was also a design run where he took a big hit. So I don't really understand if it's a health related reason why they can't quarterback sneak it when you're not really get, taking a big hit. It's impossible to get take a big hit on those. Yeah, but you get stuck in the pile and parts of your body get touched that maybe you don't want touched. Your ankle gets twisted. Like when you're in the bottom of fourth and one pile, you get beat up. So Tom I mean, Brady you don't see a lot of teams on the planet, John. But Tom Brady. Eats avocados for breakfast every day. I don't think Cam Newton does, Ryan. All right. No, Cam, Cam's vegan. Cam went vegan like two and a half years ago. So oh, maybe yeah. he does. Yeah. But you know, here's the thing is I don't feel like we learned anything about the Buccaneers because yeah. I do think I do. like their defense shut down Christian McCaffrey. Yes. But Cam Newton should have thrown for 600 yards. So I don't know how good their defense is. Jameis Winston, the only thing that looked different from. Uh, week one when he threw three interceptions is two pick sixes is that Bruce Arians probably pulled him to the side on Tuesday and said if you throw an interception this game I swear to God I'm going to cut you and so well because then what happened is you saw Jameis looking around multiple times and instead of taking a chance he took the sack Jameis Winston on Sunday does not do that he throws a pick six instead so he took those sacks he learned 
But I no, but I want to say this game is a whole lot different if Luke Keekley catches that gimme interception over the middle on a drive that the Buccaneers scored a touchdown in in a yep. six point game. So, and I don't want to blame struck. Luke Keekley too much because he played well and he had the safety and he was all over the place. John, it sounds like you're blaming Luke Keekley. <laughs> it's not like, no, nah, this is, this is just me being on brand and trying to take shots at Jameis Fuente even after he plays well by his standards. John, were you that little kid at Keekley's camp this summer that juked him? Yeah, and then he dunked on you. <laughs> I don't even know what video you guys are talking about. Cam, Cam almost Cam should have had two interceptions. One was called back, and then yeah, I think- Cam played terrible. I just don't walk away from this game feeling magically good about the Buccaneers. And let's not forget they lost Devin White, their first round pick, to a knee injury, which I believe is being reported as a sprain, which isn't you know not an ACL. That's good news, but he's probably going to be out. You know, you would think for a couple of weeks. I don't think the Buccaneers, even if they're the second best team in the division, we still have to see the Falcons play. Uh, this weekend, I don't think the Buccaneers are challenging the Saints for the division title. Yeah, so no one's saying. They, Gee, calm down. But no even saying. if even if they are the second best team in the division, like my takeaway from this is that the Saints have no competition. And while Jameis Winston's numbers looked good and he definitely grew into the game, I didn't walk away from this game thinking, oh, Bruce Arians has got his guy." Like this is still very much a work in progress. Yeah. Hey, 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 really, just just really quickly because I think I, I just think this is worth pointing out. Warren Sharp. Um, just tweeted out a, a chart a few minutes ago, and it's quarterback rushing production and short yardage, one to three yards to go since 2015. Anything over five attempts, and some everybody's included. Now Cam is not at the top in terms of percentage because Nick Foles is number one. He's 10 to 17, right, uh, with 10 first downs. That's a hundred percent rate. However, uh, you know, so 10 attempts, right, for 17 yards. Cam Newton is has 101 attempts in such situations for 418 yards, 84 first downs, that's 83%, 4. 4.4, 4.14 yards per attempt, and 17 touchdowns. He's by far the most, and, and Warren's point, and I think he's right, is it's not like, I mean, the Panthers know. They've been doing this since 2015. They know Cam is good in these spots. So it begs the question, it, like, the only explanation is that he's not healthy, right? Yeah. Well, uh, according to Ron Rivera, who's given his press conference as we talk, he said, that's all I can tell you. We felt good about the play, the fourth down play, the end. They, were they felt good about calling a double fake reverse. But, but they did it a bunch of different times. They ran Cam to the outside with it. You can, like, if this is so mind-boggling, because if you just have a quarterback dive into a pile reasonably near the spot of the first down, the refs are going to run in and give you the first down because they know they, it's just that's how they operate. And so anyway. But, yeah, reaching to the well, and the, and wait, to go back to those stats real quick, Cam Newton converted 83%. They had three fourths and ones. They went 0%. They did not do a QB sneak on any of them. And just based on the percentages, if Cam would have gone up the middle, he would have converted at least two of them, if not all three. So it's just, it is mind boggling that the Panthers are just giving up on this ultimate fourth and one tank weapon that they have. It doesn't make any sense. I have a theory uh, about why they ran C-Mac on that last fourth and one. We saw earlier in the game, I think Cam said this, that North Turner has C-Mac on his fantasy team. He's like, look, if we're going to win this football game, I'm going to get some points out of it as well, so I'm going to run C-Mac around the edge on this it's, stupid hooky-dooky play. And, I mean, and he, nobody, nobody, nobody calls him C-Mac. That's terrible. It's CMC. I call him C-Mac. C-Mac, C-Mac. C-Mac. C-Mac? I call him C-Mac. Nobody calls him C-Mac. Sean, do you call him C-Mac? I've never heard of that until right now. Yeah, yeah, you guys are learning something. You're welcome. I can't believe the 50-year-old man came up with a new nickname. for. Uh, at least he didn't I'll start yeah. using it, Ryan. Thank you, John. Uh, anyway, back to Winston and the Bucks. Devo's, Devo's, uses it, by the Devo, way. Devo's like shaking his hand angrily as I brought us back to the Panthers in like 23 minutes in. Um, so 
I, I agree. I don't think I thought that Jameis made some some good throws, but like if we're looking at like like what what were the what were the primary throws? We, he was sixteen to twenty five for two hundred eight yards and one touchdown. A big chunk of them came to the, on that Mike Evans throw, which was forty one yards. As, Chris Godwin's numbers. Chris Godwin had a great. Chris Godwin's freaking awesome. He yeah, threw the ball. Okay, hold on. Just let me finish the statement. The throw to Mike Evans on down the sideline, he overthrew it. I mean, it was it was a good throw, but I mean, like he overthrew nice it. Throw. It was a good throw. It was a, it was a good throw, but he. I mean, it wasn't like a dime. I mean, it was a, it was a good throw. It wasn't a dime. Mike Evans had to reach out for it and barely got it. Mike Evans is nine foot seven, man. And then Chris Godwin on the touchdown to Chris Godwin. Godwin shook Dante Jackson and then was wide open. Like congratulations, you threw a slant. What about the Brashad Perriman ball? Where was that? Was a great that was a beautiful ball, but it, you know but what? But he also should have been picked off by Keekley, though. Yeah. So. Hey, yeah. And yeah, you, hey, hey, you know what, Ryan? You know what's good decision making? Not throwing it to Brashad Perryman. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I can't agree with that. Perryman, <laughs> how, how is that guy still in the league? Why is he playing for this team? Get him out of here! I look, you got a terrible haircut. I mean, yeah. If you take out that long throw to Evans and God. the long throw to Godwin, Cam New or uh, Winston threw for 143 yards. If you take away all his throws, he threw for zero yards. Get out of here. Well, I'm just saying that you're talking about the long throw that wasn't even a great throw to Mike Evans. Uh, oh, stop it. Andy Dalton throws for 400 yards once in his life, and all of a sudden John Breach is an expert on quarterback. Jameis Winston not play Andy Dalton level. Don't you insult. Don't you put his name on your lips, Wilson. Not now. But here's sign, the thing. Sign Jameis Winston to a contract, Ryan? No. Yeah, you're giving him that Next extension? His, his contract is firing. Yes. Next question. <laughs> The one thing I will say about the Bucks' offense is they keep getting surprising production from random running backs. On last <laughs> Sunday, week one, we saw it from Ronald Jones. It was like, where did that guy come from? He was nothing all last season. Then everybody probably went into their uh, fantasy free agency, added Ronald Jones. They're like, I'm going to sneak this in. I'm going to put him in my lineup, get some points. And then all of a sudden, Peyton Barber goes off. I mean, Peyton Barber had some impressive runs. And if he wasn't running that well, I think the Buccaneers' offense would have just been smashed. Uh, but that opened things up for Jameis to make some of those throws that he made. The one, hey, John, two the, things quickly. It's Rojo and Payba. <laughs> I can't remember all the nicknames, Wilson. Rojo is actually kind of cool. I do uh, like Rojo. <laughs> Congratulations, Ryan. You came up with that Um Too bad he won't be playing again. He had four four touches. Uh, the um, the the Peyton Barber touchdown was backbreaking because. Not only was it against nine guys in the box, Carolina had stacked the box to stop the run, and Tampa just cleared him out. But it also came on the heels of Luke Keekley, and I'd called Luke Keekley having a pick on this game, and I, I, he should have had one, and he just dropped it. And then uh, after the play, Gerald McCoy, who was tri- revenge game for him, he goes, he, he gets in with uh, Jansen the center, just puts his hand to his face, and so it's Keekley drops a pick. Then 15 yards, and then a couple of plays later, Peyton Barber skirting in the end zone. That's when it felt like the Panthers were dead. Brinson, yeah. do you think they're dead for the rest of the season? Are you? Because I do want to say real quick, you brought up the 2017 season when Cam also started off inaccurately. The difference there is that they started 2-0, and which was a huge cushion. When your quarterback's sucking, you're 2-0, and that is like a confidence booster because yeah. you're like, well, when he's good, we're going to roll. And now yeah. you're 0-2. With six, only six home games left. Didn't, didn't they beat the uh, 49ers and Bills that year, I believe, to start the season? Definitely the 49ers. I don't have the thing in front of me. Yeah, it's, I just looked it up. It's 49ers and Bills. I, I, I did know that, though, because I remember watching it because I was like, man, Cam, they look like crap. But then, you know, Cam, they, then they got blown out by the Saints the next week. And then uh, 
They ripped off a win streak. Like, no, they're not dead. It's early, but that is a bad, that's a bad loss. Look, Ron Rivera's on the hot seat. Marty Herney's on the hot seat. And here's, I'll tell you who's here's on the hot seat. Cam Newton's on the hot seat. Next year is the final year of his contract. The Panthers can save over $19 million in cap space if they cut Cam Newton. And that sounds sacrilegious to say for Panthers fans. Yes, Breach? I got a poll question. Okay. You are, okay, here's my poll question. Week three, if your choice, just this is some random world we live in, is to start Jameis Winston or Cam Newton based on what you think of their health right now and how they play, who would you start? Jameis. Jameis. Week three. Just, just week three, not the rest of the season. Yeah, just week three. Mitchell Trubisky. John. Jameis. Oh, that's Jameis Hader. Pick Jameis. I just wanted to hear John say it. It's the only reason I asked. I mean, you have to serve Jameis. You're talking about cutting Cam Newton. Let the guy get healthy. I mean, that's, that's not his but fault. But is he going to ever get healthy? Well, that's a fair question. He's lost eight games in a row. The Panthers have literally lost eight games in a row with him as starting quarterback. Wait, By the way, teams that are 0-2 since 2015 have made the playoffs 18% of the time. Fun fun fact, though. Last year, I don't know if you remember this, and I'm calling it now, Breach, back off. Uh, last year, I wrote a story about 0-2 teams that could make the playoffs. Ah! I already, it's already on budget for me next week. I really, <laughs> take it from me. That's my story. <laughs> I already approved it with our boss. Look at his face. Uh oh. Why, why would they not check with me? I wrote it last year. Because I looked at it. They don't know if you write anymore. We don't know if you I, write. I, no, but you I write got articles still. I write, please. I'm leading the, <laughs> site traffic this month. Um, but I, I called the Texans and the Seahawks at 0 and 2. How about that? That's impressive because 0-2 teams don't usually make the playoffs. Yep. Um, what if Cam doesn't ever get healthy? Because Ryan's saying they'll be good when he gets healthy. He might not get healthy. I forgot to uh, I forgot to turn off my I forgot to turn my notifications on on Slack. I was like, why is Debo not even chatting me during this podcast? He's like, rap, please rap in <laughs> the podcast. Sorry, Debo. Um, okay, so anything else we need to cover from that game? I have to give one shout out to Joey Sly. You're a kicker. It's your second game ever, and he literally carried the Panthers the whole night, hit from 32, 37, 54, and 51, doinked one in, uh, huge night, and that's a huge game, uh, especially in prime time. That's not easy to do when you're a kicker in your first year in the NFL. Mm. Thank God for John Breach. All right, let's get out of here. 30 minutes on that game. Even though, yeah, whatever. It's a good talk. Good talk. No, Minka? John, shut up. <laughs> um, Are I, you producing the show, Sean? Just very quickly, I won't question. It. we're not going to talk about it. Uh, the Dolphins, as a piece of news, the Dolphins uh, reportedly told Mika Fitzpatrick he can shop for offers, but the Dolphins also set their asking price too high. They probably want a first-round pick in return for him. Nobody's going to give that if they Mika think. for Melvin Gordon. Who says no? The Chargers. Dolphins. Dolphins. The Dolphins say no to that. Um, okay, so let's get let's take a break, and then after the break, the three friends of mine will evaporate into space and I will be joined by RJ White and Pete Briscoe. See you guys. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Big Six Podcast Video Edition. 
Also audio, of course. If you're listening and you want to watch and you want to see the tan, handsome face of Pete Prisco hanging out in Fort Lauderdale, you can go to YouTube.com slash CBS Sports. Or you can tan. also see my tan. You're tan. I'm not tan. I haven't, I haven't been in the sun. And I went to this place the other day, and the, the woman that works in there, I go in there all the time, and she goes, oh, you're not looking so good. You don't have a lot of sun on your face. And I'm like, wow. What do you think I am, dying? You're sitting well, you're on now video. You're tan. Don't worry. Look at look, look, oh, look at Brinson. Yeah, yeah. But look, look. Will Brinson here, the host of the show, uh, joined as always for the Pick Show by R.J. White. Happy to have our first video show going, guys. I like that big Pick Six logo behind you. Um, next to us, Pete, you look very tan. R.J. Well, and I are. Well, you haven't been in this. You haven't been in the sun like for twenty years, Brinson. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've uh, I've been in the sun a lot this year. Yeah, I know you were in the sun twice on vacation in August. I know that much. You were on a boat somewhere. <laughs> I saw those pictures. You were having a good old time on the boat. Was that on a boat I want, in August? I wanted to see the. I wanted to be on the boat. Yeah, you were on the boat with the family or something, having a few um, adult beverages. Well, that doesn't. I mean, I might, I, mean, I had a I had a beer during our last video show. If I was smart, it's five o'clock. I should have gone and gotten a a beer to have with you guys and celebrate. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to celebrate my winning record last week in our best bets contest. Pete, we're going to cut you a little bit of slack. You went one and two, um, but you were in a hurry to get out of here. You had to do another show, another sports line show. It was your third straight video or podcast in a row, and you're doing it again today. Proud of you. Just one and two. I bet you'll have a better list of games this week. RJ smoking out of the gates, five and two. And I believe, RJ, uh, you actually even had a better record in the Super Contest, right? Yeah, four and one in the super contest. Think I should have went five and zero. Oh. Think I should have hit that uh, Panthers plus two and a half bet, but you missed by half a point, and you have those those bad fumbles in one red zone and the other red zone. You know, you take points off the board, and that's not going to cut it. It just wouldn't be the same without any week one or week two or week ten crying from RJ. Oh come game. on! <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to cry at all, man. I cashed twice in the last four years. Why I know, not? but you know how that goes, RJ. Oh, I should have had that game. I would have had that game. Yeah, sit next to Pete Prisco. You start hearing the crying at one ten. No, I always just go, it's a loser. I don't cry. I just say it's a loser. It's what rotten. What are they doing? It's rotten. RJ would be a very, it would be a bad free throw shooter and you'd be a pretty good baseball hitter. So you got that. No, going he's, he's actually one of the most mild mannered game pickers I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, I'll, that's a compliment to you because I've been around maniacs in my day. Maniacs. And he's calm. And you think I'm a maniac. You should have been around. Oh, some- no, I've, I've seen some maniacs too. Oh my God. You're fine, but. Just trying to uh, shoot right, so, back at you, getting on my case. Yeah. <laughs> Here's how this is going to work today. And this is, we're still figuring out HQ schedules, but you know, we want to get as much Pete as we can, but we want to make sure we get Pete's best bets in here and you're not giving them to us as you're flying out of the room. You're probably going to bolt out a little bit early. Uh, we're going to go through the games you like as well as the Jets game because there's some. Uh, storylines involving the Jets that we need to cover. And, uh, and then RJ and I will marinate on some of the later games as well. So are, are, uh, are we, Debo, I see this here. Are we going, uh, EK's, uh, excuse me, Pete's best bets first? We're going to throw them up. We're going to tease into them. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. All right. Let's do Jets first then. Uh, Debo, of course, our producer, you can't hear him, but I can. He's the best. Um, this is not a best bet for anybody. Although RJ, I don't, I don't know if you're going to mess with it in the super contest. You and I both believe it will be a consensus super contest pick. The Browns are minus two and a half at the Westgate for the contest. They're now minus six and a half though, because Pete, Sam Darnold got mono and he's out for the next five weeks. You ever had mono, Brinson? I have not. Didn't, you know, didn't really you? kiss anybody in college. I, I did. 
Yeah, of course you did. No, I was 20. I was like my late 20s when I got it. And I had no idea what I had. When the doctor told me I had mono, I clapped. That's how bad I felt for two and a half weeks. I go, I'll take that, buddy. Um, but yeah, it, it can drain you. It makes you feel lifeless at times. And it's, it's a risky thing for him. So if he got hit on this, your spleen gets enlarged. So if he got hit on his spleen, it could be very, very dangerous. So I understand him not playing. He's probably going to not play until after the bye week, I would imagine. Uh, what's this do for the Jets? Look. I like the Jets in this game before this whole situation played out, and I still might like them. Uh, with the point, the six and a half, I might I t- might take them with the six and a half points. But I mean, you know, in the contest, you're getting them at two and a half. It's a, that's stealing, and I wouldn't play it right now the way it is. But I, if I had to lean at six and a half, I'd probably take the six and a half. All right, well, RJ, let me ask you this, and we'll get to the sort of discussion about the Jets' schedule in a second, Pete. Uh, but I am curious if you were. Uh, two scenarios. One, let's say you're in the super contest or the, you know, the circa or whatever it is and, and the lines are locked and it's Browns minus two and a half. Um, how are you approaching that? And then the second scenario is, let's say hypothetically you're somebody that caught the two and a half and it was left up on your local and you hammered the two and a half. Are you buying back and hedging at like plus seven, plus six and a half? What, what do you, uh, what exactly are you doing with that, uh, that Browns line in those various situations? Yeah, I think the first thing to consider, well, A, the circuit didn't actually get the, the favorable line. They didn't put their lines out till Thursday after the news came up. So in the circuit contest, it's, uh, I think it's up at six and a half or, or seven and somewhere around there. So they don't get to play with it. But I think in the super contest, you got to just take the two and a half. I mean, when you get lucky and get a free space like this, just take it. We saw it, uh, when last Desha- Deshaun Watson yeah. his ACL two years ago and yeah. he was gone. Was it, I thought it was one last year too. I it might have been one last year too, but I know that I think there was something that Indy was involved in where it went from like, plus seven and a half to plus 13 and everybody's just like well of course i'm going to take the favorite now because i'm getting so so much more favorable line and it worked out so i mean just take it you know at minus two and a half you're probably covering what 65 to 70 percent of the time so why are you going to mess around with it and just but if he has it at two and a half he should middle that it really depends on what you think the game's going to go you have to really handicap the game um how you think it would go from six and a half and seven so if you really do believe the jets can cover at seven then of course go ahead and middle it and and try to get the better number i wouldn't necessarily do it if i if the line is six and a half and i like the browns like i'm not just going to play against that because i think that okay maybe i'm going to get lucky and get a three four or five in here you know so i probably lean to the browns i had a five point drop off from darnold to simeon when i did my preseason rankings and if you anticipate every single quarterback injury happening where would you move the line i said it would be five points so i expect the line would have been at seven and a half because it's at six and a half i don't think it's worth playing the jets at this point but you had it at what you expected darnold to play it isn't five points different from the garbage he put on the field last week that's for sure and i wasn't moving him that much off this week and it really depends on your comfort with simeon it's like we've seen him play we know that he's had experience in the league do you think he's going to come in and be a serviceable quarterback right away if you say yes go ahead and play the jets you know i'm a little bit skeptical with the weapons they have there they didn't look that great against no they didn't so um, I'm just probably going to lean to the Browns at six and a half. If it was Darnold and Bell was completely healthy and it was two and a half, who would you have taken? I probably would have leaned to the Jets. Yeah, I, I do. Right how ugly the Browns look, too. And, yeah. you know, you got to be getting them points with the home team. Jets typically play pretty well at home. They have a good spread record against the home the last few years. So I would have went with the Jets then, but, I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point. RJ wouldn't middle it. I'm guaranteeing you Brinson's going to middle it. <laughs> well, here's, I mean, here's, yeah, like clearly you know that I got it at two and a half. Uh, what I'm going to do is probably wait and see where it goes, like wait till Monday and see where it goes. And if it's, if it, I, like, I don't know, it's six and a half. Maybe I buy it to seven. But then you got, you got three, four, five, six that you can hit. I mean, that's a pretty big window for an NFL game. And so I liked, I liked that idea. Um, if I've got two units 
on the on, on the Browns minus uh, two and a half, I'm probably going to at least put one unit on the Jets plus seven or, or greater. I don't think I do it at five and a half or six, but I would do it at, at, at seven or greater just because I want, I, that's a big, yeah, it's a big window. Uh, I bet that what, number comes down, by the way. I bet the wise guys get in there and bring that number down. You know, it came down initially. It, it opened at six and a half at the Westgate and it immediately went down to six and then some five and a half popped out. But then within like 30 minutes or so of that happening, it shot up to six and it's a half. It's going back down again. It's going back down yeah, again. I think it's going the other way. Do you? I don't. What do you think it was at? I say five and a half, maybe. That's what I think. I think it's going to go back down. I say it closes no, seven. Kind of, no. You might be. Well, the public's going to be on it on the. But and I think by Monday, when everybody's looking to get right from their their Sundays of taking losses, overreacting to all these <laughs> other games we're about to talk about, no, there's going to be a lot of people on the Browns, and it might even get to seven. But don't you think the wise guys are going to come in at the eleventh hour and bomb that on the other side? It could. It, I think they're going to wait for seven and a half. Like if you get it to seven and a half, they'll oh, yeah. bomb it. They'll get to seven. I don't be, think they're going to bomb it at six and a half. There's going to be people listening to this podcast who are going to be dealing with winners. On Monday, RJ, they're going to be calling their guy, texting their guy. Let's say, let's give me, give me paid. Uh, I want to double far, up. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to, I'm going to make you pay me again. As far as the, um, the Jets go, this is, I mean, look, Simeon is a capable backup. I get it, but the Le'Veon Bell had a, had an MRI on his shoulder. There's concern about that. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, our, our, our pal, uh, reported that there's no damage. And no tear, so he's good to go. Still a red flag for the Jets. So that high price running back, again, don't pay running backs to free agency people. Um, and you look at their schedule. This was a huge game for them against, this is a huge game for them against the Browns coming off that bad loss, uh, against the Bills at home. Their week three matchup is at the Patriots. I mean, that's an L if you don't have Sam Darnold and probably an L even if you do have Sam Darnold. They get the week four bye. Then they're at the Eagles after that. The Cowboys at home. And then the Patriots at home. There is a pretty reasonable chance, Pete, that this team starts out something like one and five or zero oh and six. Yeah, well, they got to win this week. It's a, it's almost a must win for them, and and because they're not winning next week, we know that much. And then they get to the bye, so you, you start zero oh and three. If you're Adam Gase, uh, that's not a good look. Look, I known him a long time. I know what he's going to do with this situation. He's gonna he's going to take everybody else and elevate them. They'll play better. I just don't know if they're good enough. I just don't know if they're good enough. But I don't think the Browns are very good either. Right. Well, the interesting thing is you see what happens when you build a team of stars and scrubs. They paid a lot of money for some several, you know, stars. They bring in CJ Mosley. They bring in Le'Veon Bell. Now what happens when those guys get hurt? You don't have that middle ground of the roster that can step up and really carry you when one or two guys get hurt. So now you're kind of SOL. You know, I mean, what are they going to do if they're paying all these reserves and lower round picks or, are, you know, are there, uh, their reserve, their backups that now have to step up? How are they going to win ball games, especially against those teams that Brinson listed? Well, the, watching the Browns offensive line last week, uh, they could dominate up front and maybe win it that way but but one thing that they knew going in and and I was there in in May and talked to them in May and they knew their offensive line was going to be a problem because they're not quite there yet and they knew their corners were going to be a problem because they're not quite there yet so and they still need a good edge rusher so there's a bunch of key key positions that aren't there for the Jets so I didn't think they were going to be very good I thought they'd be seven and nine this year or six and ten maybe uh this is not a surprise to me yeah, I tell you, anybody holding an under seven and a half ticket's got to be. They got to be happy about it. that. I mean, cash it right now. See you if get the, that. See if they'll. I didn't get it, but see if the books will give you an advance advance on that because that's got to be. Cash. <laughs> uh, you know what? The books probably won't give you an advance on my Ben Roethlisberger MVP ticket. Uh, probably not going to pay that one out quite. It's yet. early. Don't overreact to one week, dude. It's you can't. just. Segue to the Steelers game. I'm I know, but everybody overreacts to week one. It was just amazing. Right. Well, let me ask you this, Pete. 
The C- the Steelers are minus four at home against the Seahawks, who squeaked out a win against the Bengals. The Steelers are coming off a humiliating game in which they got just blasted by the Patriots in New England. Do you put more into the Steelers' offense missing Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, or is the Patriots' defense and that mind meld that uh, or that mind bleep that uh, that Bill Belichick has over Mike Tomlin? Do you put more into that? Or, and like, what do you expect from the Steelers coming back home? Well, I think the Steelers are going to be a good play this week. I really do. I, I think Seattle's defense has all kinds of issues. We saw that they made Andy Dalton look like a star last week. He threw for over 400 yards. Roethlisberger at home, different quarterback than he is on the road. We know Belichick is inside the head of that entire organization. We know Brady's inside the head of that entire organization. That one didn't surprise me at all. You had it in the contest. That was an easy pick. Uh, this week, I think the Steelers are an easy pick. I think traveling across the country with Seattle, uh, I think that the Steelers are going to put a number on them. It's going to be a high-scoring game, though. I think the Seahawks are going to score their points, too. Yeah, you made a good point about how bad that Seattle defense looks, especially on deep balls. You know, when Cincinnati's doing whatever they want to on deep balls, then you really have to re-examine what you're doing on, on the defensive side. Now you upgrade to Ben and Juju and, and, the, and you know, Doncrief, Moncrief, and, you know, Washington's going to hit a few of those deep balls over Thompson. So, I mean, Steelers' offense should go off in this game. I think their defense is going to be better. I mean, you don't get any tougher than in New England for week one for, nope. for a matchup. So, uh, that's With not all the time for him to prepare for it. Right. Though. So that's not the same team that, that they're going to be the whole season. Uh, so I would take them. I think you're getting value here on the four. I was hoping it'd be a little bit less, um, but I think it's going to go up before it goes down. So I just lay it at four, and I think they're definitely going to go. Best up. bet for me, by the way, and Seattle's offensive line was putrid again last week. The, C- the Cincinnati defensive line got all over Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like uh, I like this game in two spots, actually. I didn't want to be like a I, – I mean, I like the Steelers a lot, so we can go ahead and put that – the Steelers minus four. I'm, I'm probably going to – I mean, I'm going to play that personally and um, in any, you know, sort of pick em contest that I do. So we can put that as the first leg of the – got to come up with some kind of name for this um, – for this parlay that yeah. we do, the loser parlay. That's what it was last week, wasn't it? No, it's winner, man. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hit this thing once or twice during the season. It's gonna pay big. And that'll and even like, out all the other times we don't. So you'll get an even money. We'll need like return. some kind of sound effect, and then in that video board behind you guys, it could be we can we. I, th- I think we call it the whammy parlay. And can we can we do the pressure luck noise or like the pressure luck thing? Yeah, I like how you're getting on Brinson about not not branding it with a bad name, and then you call it the whammy parlay, and then you want to <laughs> press your luck noise. What's wrong with you? I, got, I can put the whammy on it. I got the Italian horn right here. I can put the whammy on whatever parlay. <laughs> uh what are we doing? <laughs> you must, must ruin somebody's super contest. <laughs> he was Unnamed. talking too much. He was talking too much. Uh, he doesn't. <laughs> um, as Debo points out in my ear, the press your luck thing is probably copyrighted. And they probably won't let us use it since it came back. And I don't think it's on CBS. I wish it was on CBS. Anyway, uh, I like the over in this game too. You know, Pittsburgh's defense didn't look great. I know it was New England. Uh, I think Russell Wilson, they'll, you know, they run the ball a ton, but they're willing to take some shots down the field. It's only 46 or 46 and a half. And I really do think Pittsburgh's going to hang 28 to 35 points. Uh, on the board themselves. So I like the Steelers minus four. Let's plug that in as the first leg of our, uh, our consensus parlay. And I also like the over in that game. Um, just from a trend perspective, Steelers. I like only both four. of them. Yeah. I like that- both of those. I like both of those, but the Steelers are best bet for me. Steelers best okay. bet too. I would probably lean under. Um, I just don't, Tyler Lockett's hurt. I just don't know what that offense is going to look like without him. I think the Steelers are going to be pissed off after, be after getting embarrassed by New England. So that defense, I expected them to be better this year. I think they could rise up and really hold the, the Seahawks down in this game. So I would probably lean to the under, but I'm staying away from the total and definitely best bet on the Steelers. Okay. Well, we're in consensus on that best bet. By the way, the favorite is 5-0 against the spread in the last 
five times these teams have met, and the home team is five and zero against the spread in the last five times these guys have met. Shout out Debo, man. I don't know if RJ helped with this, but putting together a great rundown here, killer work. Let's move on to the Bills and the Giants. The Giants are home dogs. Pete Prisco, Bills minus the but Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills minus one and a half at the New York Giants over under 43 and a half. What world do we live in where Josh Allen is a road favorite? What? Why you say that? Guy played good just, last week in the second half. In the second half he did. In the fourth quarter he did. In the second half he did. He played good. And the, the Jets quarter. were playing off and they didn't but, really by the way, care about winning. By the way, a couple of those picks were not his fault. The one pick off of Beasley's hand uh, it was went not off his, his leg and it was like it was a, not his fault. It was a it was very inaccurate. The fumble pass. the fumble was his fault because you got to secure the ball. But the right ta- the left tackle got have whipped. Any accuracy? So I mean, uh, you're, sure, sure. Beasley dropped as, it, but it bounces off his leg when it was like six or seven away. You can't throw an accurate Josh Allen is going to get like arrested for murder and pete's going to be his cato kalen he's just no, i like, mean if you go back and watch the game that beasley should have caught that ball the, the, the right the left tackle got whipped on the ball with the play where it got jarred out the scream the pip the one was tipped at the line of scrimmage that's on him and then what was the other one there was another turnover oh yeah, the he snap threw, he, threw the snap. It, he threw it right at the guy when the when the arms were raised yeah you know, and that, that, that was the tip up. yeah but I mean, the guy's arms raised; those are right at him. Yeah. It's not a great pass either. But anyway, but in the second half, he was good. I will say he had like no good passes in any games I saw last year. This year, he had like two or three in the. Uh, fr- in the you got to go back and watch. So, there much more than three. Uh, and and by the way, they're going to go in there and beat the Giants this week. That what better way to open the season when you play two road games? You're not even leaving your state. You're in the same stadium, and you're playing against two bad teams. Technically, you are leaving the state. You got to go to Jersey. Well, okay, Giants, Jets. <laughs> you know what I mean. But it's still, it's a home game. Basically, it's right there. It's I think not you're a, so confident that the Bills are going to win back-to-back road games with Josh. They're going Allen to. to. Open the season. No, they're going they're to. They're tough. They're physical. They're nasty. They're and he's, they're well coached, and they're going to find a way to win this game. The Giants aren't very good. Uh, I think the defense will suffocate the Giants' offense, and uh, I think Josh Allen's going to make enough plays to win the game. Buffalo minus one and a half, best bet. Yeah, I'll take best bet on the other side on the Giants. Have at it. Because that line moved, I think, three and a half, four points because of what we saw from Buffalo and the Giants. Supposedly didn't look good. I think that offense looked pretty solid. Dallas is a good team. That offense finally has brought itself into the 21st century. So I think they were kind of surprised on what they got from Dak Prescott, throwing the ball downfield, kind of what the the play calls Kellen Moore was doing. But I saw some things I liked from the offense. I know their receivers are banged up. I don't know that it's going to make that much difference from Buffalo. Buffalo is a great secondary. They have a great defense. I do agree with you there. But I think they can be attacked with running backs, and Saquon's just going to go off in this game. Evan Ingram's just going to go off on this game and I think the Giants can get to 20-ish points and that's going to be enough against a Giants team that can be good solid on defense when they're not playing a team like the Cowboys and a Buffalo offense I just don't trust 20 to 14 Buffalo 20 to 14 Giants you uh, are entitled to your wrong opinion (laughs) Pete just out of curiosity what would your pick be if this was the Browns at the Giants I probably lay the one and a half if it was the Browns Oh, you take the Browns too? Yeah. I think the Giants are terrible. I think the Giants stink. They have major issues on some key spots that are going to show up all year long and not the quarterback spot like everybody thinks it is. It's other spots. So it's not Eli. The offensive line is bad. The corners are not good. They got to, I mean, they're going to be, the Baker kid will be good eventually down the road, but they got issues at the secondary as well. Uh, I just, I just don't think they're a good football team. What we saw in Dallas was probably way past, you know, they're not that bad. 
They're not like Miami bad, but they're not a good team either. I think the offensive line is fine. I think Zeitler played fine. I think the tack- he's fine. Tackles are fine. I mean, you th- Solder was a spinning top last he's, year. He's fine. He'll, yeah, but Remmers has been a spinning be top wherever he's been. I, I just, Hernandez was fine as a rookie. I mean, yeah, they're okay. They got solid players. They're not Lipio. I mean, they're, they're, they're not as bad as the Bills were last year. No, but the Bills have a better offensive line than the Bills are better offensive line too. Um, yeah, I just, I just think the Giants will be better. I, I do like the offense a little bit, um, despite not having the receivers. I really want to see what it is when that receivers are healthy because Latimer actually played, played well. He had some good catches in that game against the Cowboys. You know, Tate will be back when Shepard's not banged up. You know, this team, this offense might be solid right when it's time to sneak Daniel Jones into the lineup. I know Brinson loves Daniel Jones and, and when he gets in there, I think this team's going to surprise some people in the second half. So I'm looking to play the Giants down the road. I like him here, obviously, because just fading the Bills. I think the Bills, you know, I'm going to start hitting on Josh Allen again. I think if the Bills had a top 20 quarterback, they'd be in the playoffs. Oh, you're out of your mind with they'd that. They'd be in the playoffs. because They're they, going to be in the playoffs. I don't think they are. They uh, And he's he's good. He will be good. They're weapons around him. They have a great defense. And I think this, this, this will is, be... By the way, let's just tell the audience, this is a Bills fan over here, well, lamenting. This, well, this he thinks be, Jim Kelly's going to walk out the door. Of course he's not. This will be the litmus test. If he's any good as a quarterback, they get to the playoffs. And if they don't, I want to hear an apology from you on this podcast. Um, he's not a good quarterback. If he stinks, then they don't make the playoffs. Then, That's my And point. I'll say that. If he's good and they make the playoffs, don't he's make good, the playoffs. If good, they're going to make the playoffs. Well, they should make the playoffs. They will make the playoffs. I picked them to make the playoffs. Um, and they're going to uh, win the division I, next year. I would lean uh, under on this game, too, 43 and a half. Not, it might end up on my personal card, but I'm not, not putting it on my best bets. But I think the under with two teams that sort of struggle to get things going. I like that spot. I could see this being very Jets, Jets, Giants, Jets, uh, Bills like last week. I don't think it's going to be a shootout or anything. Um, and I will be at some point on Sunday, including the Giants in a money line underdog parlay. It's probably going to include like the Falcons and the Broncos. By the way, we all like the under because we said 20 to 14. You liked it one way. I liked it the other. So we all like the under. Yeah. With all, with the injuries that the, the, they have at receiver, I'd say definitely take the under. Do you want to throw the under in the parlay? Sure, do it. Yeah, throw it in. All right, Giants under 43 and a half added. 33-31 late in the fourth quarter. We know it's a <laughs> rotten parlay. <laughs> no, what it'll be is it'll be it'll be 20-20 going into overtime. Yeah, right. And then we'll be like, as long as we get this field goal, we're then, good. Then somebody then, will bust one. Yeah, somebody will like miss a coverage, and it'll be 80-yard touchdown for <laughs> Doom and gloom <laughs> man over here. <laughs> LSU Texas game the other day. Uh, Cowboys minus five at Redskins over under 46 and a half. This is a pretty obvious spot, Pete. I mean, it's at, it's not for game. me. It's not no, no, for no, no. me. I mean, I don't mean obvious. It's not an obvious easy pick. There's no such thing in the NFL. What I mean is it, you could pretty well guess where the public is going to be going on this one. And it involves the team that rang up a bunch of points, the Dallas Cowboys and look great on offense against the floundering Redskins team, uh, that lost more people to injury. Didn't they, they get hurt? Terry McLaurin, by the way, looks awesome. Darius Geis gone. He got Adrian Darius Peterson. He got Adrian Peterson now this week. Look, Dallas looked great the other day. This is a whole different animal. You go on the road in the division. Uh, it's going to be a slower track. I mean, it's not going to be as fast as it looks in, when they're at home. And I just think that they're going to slow them down a little bit. This uh, this line, to me, is begging the public to take Dallas. I'm not taking Dallas. I'm taking Washington. I think they keep it a field goal game. And it wouldn't shock me to see him win the game. You know, I don't know how much home field matters in Washington. Like, year in and year out, I do my weighted home field numbers before the season starts. They're always one of the worst teams. The crowd just isn't into it. Um, Used to be. 
Yeah, they used to be into it, but th- this day and age, like I don't know that you can count much for their home field. So I think it's still I w- a road game in the NFL. It is a road game, but I mean it's Washington. It's, it's still you got to get on a plane and get out of your routine. It's hard. Yeah, well, I'm, the, the Cowboys I think are way better than Washington. I think we saw They're better. Our, we saw the best from Washington that last week that we were going to see. You know that they were hanging with the Eagles, fell apart toward the end. I think I would make the line minus seven on the Cowboys. Uh, you mentioned Geis is out. Uh, I wanted to point out this thing that Warren Sharp said. Our friend Warren Sharp he uh, had a tweet in the offseason. And that said uh, about Adrian Peterson, who's now going to be, uh, you know, ostensibly the, the offense is going to be built around him. Through three quarters, the Redskins were the second worst rushing offense on first and 10. They only had a 40% success rate, but they ran the ball the third most often of any team, 62% of the time. Uh, his ranking is like 19th out of 20 quarter running backs that qualify. So if that's what the offense reduces to, is just hand it to, to Adrian Peterson and watch him go for four yards. Uh, I, I don't know how much success they're going to have, you know, and that would be a shame because, you know, uh, McLaurin stepped up. They really got some things out of the passing offense, but if it just becomes the Adrian Peterson show again, I think the Cowboys might win by 30. Mm, I, I don't. I like the Redskins in this game. Maybe I'm being a, a, a contrarian because I think it, A, I think it looks pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's going to be on Dallas. Everybody. RJ, you and I talked about this with the week two stuff. Like you pointed out, what is it? Favorites. What's the favorite record? Uh, since, yeah, if you, since if you go, two? if you just look at the year to year, you know, so you look at what 16 games were played last year in week two, what 16 games were played the year before. It's never better than 500 for the favorites. They always finish, you know, seven, eight and one, seven and nine, six and 10, five and 11. Occasionally get an eight and eight in there. We had an eight and eight last year. And that's just because it's overreaction. You get some lines flip where the line becomes, you know, two points more inflated. And then you see something like we are going to see in Cincy and San Francisco where the other team gets favored, Buffalo Giants, the other team gets favored. And then all of a sudden the favorites aren't covering anymore. Uh, so you just just take those those two or three points of inflation out of the equation in some of these games, and that's is how you get inflated. It might be. I don't know. Like I said, I would make the line Cowboys minus seven. So I don't. You know would, but mo- this is inflated based on what the Cowboys did last week. It might be, but Washington looked good too. So for half. I mean, I'll, let me look up what the look ahead line was, so we can see how inflated it was based on on uh, week one performance from Dallas. So it looks like the line was four and a half going into the matchup. Now so it's five. So it's you're, not much inflation. No, not really. It's really about where they had it. The, the, so I think both teams played well offensively. Maybe that is kind of evened out on both sides. I would, I'm taking the Cowboys here. I don't feel good about it. It stinks. Um, got it at four early. I think it's moving up to like five and a half. So, I mean, it might end up being six or something like that by the time it closes. Washington is, is frisky, but I, I don't think they have the energy to keep up with Dallas over the full course of the I game. I bet you the wise guys come in and get Washington in this one. Yeah, they probably want it because Prince is probably right. It is going to go up, and so you're not going to get a lot of wise guy money right now. You'll yeah. wait, they'll wait till it gets to at least they'll get, six. They'll take the red get it. Yeah. But there's no – I mean, if you're if you're a sharp, there's no reason to storm in and grab Washington. No, plus. no but they're eventually going to end up taking the Redskins. You watch. Right. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, but public, public, seven, public will be all over Dallas. Mm-hmm. The yep. wise guys will be on Washington. Mm-hmm. I'm a wise, I'm a wise guy. Mm-hmm. In more ways than one. This is the guy who took the Bills on the road. <laughs> the better team. Much <laughs> the better. Bears minus two and a half at the Denver Broncos. Uh, millions of years ago, and if you guys know this, the Bears lost uh, to the to the Packers in Week One. Millions of years ago. More importantly, recently the Broncos lost to the Raiders, which I presume is sort of fueling this line. Uh, Pete, who do you like in this game? Broncos. Uh, I, I just think I'm not taking Mitch Trubisky anywhere right now. <laughs> he looked shot the other day. He had mentally shot. Uh, after the game, he looked like he didn't know what happened to him. Uh, I Look, the Bears' defense is phenomenal. 
and I know Denver looked terrible on offense, and they didn't exactly play great on defense last week. I think this week those pass rushers who were held at bay are going to get it going. Uh, I like Denver at home plus the point. Yeah, I want to like the Bears here because of that huge rest, rest advantage that Brinson was alluding to, but I really can't because you're right. Trubisky looked bad. I mean, I don't know that I can defend Joe, how Joe Flacco no. on the other side. But he but, was on the road at least. Right, but I do like the, the, the motivation factor because you see that you get these guys that are, have a, a new head coach and they get to play their old, the head coach plays his old team. They really want to get up for that game. You really get playoff intensity for, in that type of situation because they want to get a win for the coach. We saw last year with Patricia somehow beating, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, and nobody really predicted that. I think that the Broncos are really going to show up, especially defensively and shut down the Bears offense. And I think we're getting a lot of value here. The look ahead line, the Brown, the Broncos were going to be favored minus one, I believe. And now it's all the way up to two and a half Bears. So we're getting a lot of value. And then you take into account the Denver home field advantage. Now I have this stat about Denver playing in weeks one and two. They're forty-eight and six straight up at home all time. That includes twenty-two and one since the year two thousand in weeks one and two. That's just phenomenal. That means their home. A lot of times it's the home opener, and it means that their their place is jumping and rocking for them. Right, and it's just so hard for teams to play in altitude, especially yeah. when they spent the preseason not doing anything with these ones. You know, they they rest and they got to go and play sixty minutes in Denver. It's tough. Then you look against the spread. Broncos thirty, fifteen, and four against the spread, and that's that same span going back to as far as the uh, PR our database goes to, I think it's 1978. So I think the numbers really uh, favor the Broncos winning this game, and we're getting points. We're getting two and a half points. I mean, it's a best bet for me, too, for a reason. Yeah. So I think we're both on it. If Brinson's on it, too, we're going to have to throw it in this parlay. We're throwing the toilet. I'm going to tell you right now, Giants, money line, Broncos, money line. That's the first uh, two teams in my underdog parlay for this week, and I'm pretty sure I know who the other one is going to be. I, I, look. I made a mistake. I will admit that I'm, I'm, I'm willing to make, admit when I made a mistake. I made a mistake when I decided the Broncos were going to hammer the Raiders. That was a mistake on my part, but this sets up perfect for the Broncos this week. I know it's been a while since the Bears played. I mean, like the Bears looked bad when they played right against, against the Packers. That offense didn't look good, but it's been long enough that everybody's sort of forgotten how they looked. And we're like, Oh, that Bears defense, like, no, like gnashing at their teeth, like pawing at the dirt, looking for Joe Flacco and the Broncos in Denver. Everyone is going to be on the Bears here. And it's silly because the Broncos defense should be humiliated about what happened to them in that game. They need to step up, come up. Like Von Miller was, was nowhere to be seen. Well, the ball got out. There were a couple. There were like, there were some plays there where they actually whipped the tackles and the ball got out. That, well, that's you know, fine. But Trubisky isn't going to play that stuff. I mean, I know they want him to do, but he he looked lost the other day. Lost. Well, I I don't think that with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb that that the Bears will be able to run the ball effectively. I think they could be able to bottle up the run game. And if they do the same thing the Packers did, which is make Trubisky throw, then they can pick off a pass, take it to the house, create some havoc and eventually win this game. I thought Flacco looked better in the second half. I got the Broncos as a best bet, too, so let's uh, add it to the parlay. Wow. And, uh, oh, wow. And uh, I think we have to say goodbye to you, Pete, actually. Yeah, I got uh, Sportsline, dude. But you got my best bets. You got my best bets, though. Do you want to – Do you want to? Wanna... I know what they are. Do you want to tell people? Do you want Go me ahead. to tell people? Read, read them off again. Steelers. Minus four. Oh, look at that. We got a graphic win. for the video. This is why you go to Buffalo YouTube. is a win. Josh Allen Lost. throws for 380. Uh, Washington's a win. Mm-hmm. And the Broncos are a win. win. I'm 4 0 this week, you're at baby. You're 2 and 1. I'm 4 and 0, baby. I don't know by Washington, but you're definitely 2 and 1. 4 0. You're, you're, you're going to be Owen. Yeah. We're, no, we're, we can't be because we're all agreement. Yeah. You're losing that Buffalo game. Yeah, no. 
You know what that is? That's a kid that sits there and goes, I'm not going to get that for Christmas. I'm not going to get that for Christmas. I'm not going to get that for Christmas. And then you get a Bills you know win, get for and you're 2-0. You know what I do get for Christmas? Winners. You're 2-0. and You'll be 2-0. They, they can put my record Would you rather have the Bills 2-0? 5-2 and last week. Would the Bills be 2-0? and Yeah, the Bills would be great 2-0. and You'll be happy about I that. love it. There you go. I was cheering for it this past week. I was, you know, you're sitting next to me for part of this. I think you might actually have been on the set by the time this this part happened. But man, when they won that game, like I, I like the Jets. I didn't have them in the contest or anything, but I loved it. You know, of course I want the win. Yeah, he's a Bills fan. You guys are done negotiating this emotional hedge. We can. Uh, no, I'm not. I don't change mine. I'm not changing mine. I like that. I like it. Right. Period. Pete's got to get out of. He's got to go do more uh, CBS Sports HQ. Watch him on Sportsline. Pete versus the book every night at six o'clock. He's the, the, really the face of our 24 seven streaming sports network, which, you know, is unfortunate for the, the, it's the know, face. The, it's a face of a loser from last week. That's what it is. <laughs> All right, Pete. We'll see uh, you guys. We'll All right. Welcome back, everybody. We have, uh, we've gotten better looking since, uh, since you last heard us before the break. Pete Prisco is gone now. If you're wondering why we're better looking and you're listening to the podcast, it's because we're also doing this podcast on YouTube. See youtube.com slash CBS Sports. You can watch me, Pete Prisco, and RJ White. What's up, RJ? What up? Uh, you can watch us do Pete's best bets. Then we took a break and now we're back. We're going to finish up with RJ and my best bets as we go through the rest of the games. If you're wondering why Pete disappeared and you're sad because you need more tan shortness in your life. Well, it's because he's got a lot of other stuff he's got to do. Like, um, like he said he had to get some candy corn from the vending machine and drink some coffee and, and like talk to EK or so. I don't know. He's not doing anything. He just, he just doesn't feel like being on the podcast. What can you do? Cardinals at Ravens, RJ. Ravens are minus 13 over under, uh, has actually settled back down at 46. We talked about this. I don't know. You weren't on here, but we, I mentioned how Heath Cummings and I, I mentioned this like four times this week. We liked it, liked the over at 42, shot up to 47, came back down a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised to see it run up maybe a little bit more before the game, uh, kicks off, but or maybe it sits tight. Um, Ravens looked awesome. Cardinals looked bad. What do you think about this game? Yeah, I would lean to the under. You know, I'd steamed up, you know, like I said, five, six points since opening at 41, 41 and a half. The bookmakers tend to know what they're doing. They're typically not that far off on a game. Uh, so I'll just fade that initial steam and look for something in the low 40s and figure that they probably had it right. I'm probably not going to play the spread. I would lean the Ravens, even having to lay all those points. I just think that Cardinals offense we saw in the first three quarters is more indicative of what we're going to see moving forward. And then you get the Ravens, a well-coached team, unlike the, that group in, in Detroit that aren't going to let them back in the game at the end. And I know we saw how explosive the Ravens offense can be people will say oh they're playing the Dolphins so maybe you know that's not going to happen again but that Cardinals defense isn't any better the secondary is actually worse than what we see in Miami so I wouldn't put up put you know take into account that Baltimore can't score 30 plus in this points I just don't know how the Cardinals are going to score a ton either so Ravens probably cover probably might stay under so you know I'm probably just staying away from this game so if you took the uh, over at 43 would you hedge back down at 46 or would it need to be 47 I I like the over like I think you love hedging. Like, I, I only hedge if you have a reason to. Like, if something materially changed in the game, if you're betting 43 because you like it so much over, then I don't know that too much has changed when it gets to 46 that you should be taking the under. Well, I mean, you got a three point window. If it hits the window, you cash both. But you don't, you're not going to win money trying to, you know, hedge against these very tight windows unless something materially has changed. Like, Sam Darnold gets mono. Then, of course, you, you can throw a hedge out there because something big has changed in that game. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I, I like, I like the over. I, I think you're going to see ball. I, my only concern is that Baltimore might go into this game. And I'm curious what you think about this. Do you think that there's a chance Baltimore says, all right, we lit it up with fireworks in the sky against Miami. 
Now we're going to be this smash mouth behemoth and just grind this thing into the dust and make Kyler Murray look, just make Kyler Murray throw 50 times uh, and throw a couple interceptions and just get out of here 35 to 10 or like, you know, 28 to 10. I mean, you think that's possible? It is possible, but you know, if they were able to do to the Miami secondary what they did, then I don't see why you don't just don't do that against uh, Arizona. I mean, Patrick Peterson suspended, so he's not playing. Robert Alford got hurt before the season started, so he's not playing. So you're taking these guys that should be backups. You have a, a talented rookie in there, Byron Murphy, who's going to be a good player. I just don't know that you're leaning on him to to be the what what your uh, pass defense you know circles around at the early going. So. I don't know, man. They could do whatever they want, I think, on offense. If you want to pound it, go for it. If you want to throw it over the top, go for it. And we saw how accurate he was in those deep balls. So I think you got to think we're going to see a couple of them. See, that's the other thing, too. Like, that's, that's why I like the over. And like, I, I'm, I don't think that, I think the smash mouth thing is a possibility. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I just think we could see it. The reason I like the over is I, I really believe that, that John Harbaugh, and Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson want to send a message to the rest of the league. Like we are a dangerous offense and I don't see how Arizona stops him. Matthew Stafford had his highest passing yards total in 26 games against Arizona. I mean, he hadn't done anything through the air and all of a sudden he's lighting it up. I think Mark Ingram will have a big game. Chandler Jones is a great player, but I, I like, and if you're Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, I thought they found something. I know it was garbage, garbage time, even though they tied it. I just thought they found something. So I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with the over. I'm petrified to take Arizona. Uh, even 13 is such a, such a lot. I, 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 I wouldn't touch the spread in this game. I just think. Yeah, Baltimore could run away with it, and you could also see a backdoor cover by Arizona at the last Right, minute. and one thing that does play into your overbet is the injuries Baltimore has on defense. Jimmy Smith is going to miss multiple weeks because he's hurt. That's their best corner. Uh, then you had a couple other corners missing practice. One wasn't for an injury reason, so I'm not worried about him. But Marlon Humphrey is missing practice with, with an injury, too. That's your second best corner. So if you get both of those out the game, it suddenly becomes easier for Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk to do their work. And maybe Arizona can get to 20 points instead of 10 points, and you get that over covered. Uh, Colts and Titans. Titans minus three. It's actually moved up to like three and a half. We, we used the lines from the Westgate Superbook, uh, for, uh, for, for the Super Contest. For those that don't know, Colts and Titans. Titans minus three. It's moved up to three and a half. Over under 44 and a half. It's a shame, RJ, that Andrew Luck retired because he never lost to the Titans. Ever. He never lost to the Titans. That's unbelievable. He walked out having never lost to the Titans. Maybe that's why he retired. It's not the injuries. It's not the struggles of pain. He just didn't want to lose to the Titans. And so he got out of town. Colts are 12 and three against the spread in their last 15 meetings. My goodness. Jacoby Brissett looked pretty good. Well, which way do you lean here? Yeah, if you can get three and a half, I would take the Colts. You know, I'm not so sure they're going to lose this game too. You know, Jacoby Brissett might start a new streak here with his first win against Tennessee. You know, I don't know how much you can take away from that Titans blowout win in week one. Mariota had 248 yards passing, but 75 of them came on a short pass that Derrick Henry took the rest of the way. Aside from that, you had AJ Brown, the rookie, catch a couple good balls and Mariota didn't really do much inside of that. So I don't know how, how they score 44 points. You expect the offense was at the top of their game, but I, I don't, I didn't really see it. Then on the other side, the Colts lost, but Brissett completed 77.8% of his passes. The running game was excellent behind Marlon Mack. The defense struggled. They did manage a few big plays. They held the Chargers to 24 points in regulation, then they lost in overtime. So is the Titans pass rush going to have as good a game going against the, uh, against the Colts line as they did against the Browns? We know how bad the Browns line looks. The Colts are the opposite. You know, I think they they gave up, what, 12, 15 sacks or something last year. They were one of the best in the league at, uh, at keeping their quarterback upright. So if you're not getting that same type of pressure you know, and you let Jacoby Brissett pick you apart here and there, I don't know that those corner 
cornerbacks can stand up to that. So these teams might be even. So if we're going to get the hook with a three and a half, I think I'm going to hop on that. If it stays three, I'm probably still leaning the Colts because I think it pushes, um, you know, either way. So I think the Colts are pretty solid pick here. Yeah, I like the Colts as well. Um, look, I, I was on the Colts before the season, was back on them after uh, Jacoby Brissett took over. And one of the things, if you rewatch that, that, that Chargers and, and Colts game, what you see is, it's funny if you go to like the next gen stats and look at Marlon Mack's, uh, uh, carry chart. It's just, it's not like he's not an ambi runner, like he can't run right or left, but they put him left behind Quentin Nelson and they got, and you watch the game and you see Quentin Nelson get out to the second level. He is clearing paths for guys. And so I think this team can run. I would probably lean, I don't know, maybe under if, if I was going to lean away because I don't think this ends up being a shootout. I'm a little worried the Colts defense isn't as, Good as it was last year. And I think that's showing up. I think Mariota will probably have a nice game. Derrick Henry will probably run. I think both teams will want to run, run the ball effectively. Uh, so I, I, lo- I love Marlon Mack this week. I wouldn't worry about playing him and I would take the Colts with the points too. Um, hello, 18 and a half. That's what the Patriots are favored at the Dolphins over under 47 and a half. I mean, I think like I, I'm, I, I was going to chat you RJ the other day and tell you that I'm worried. That what you're doing with the Dolphins this year is what you, what we both did with the Browns, I think two or three years ago. Are you concerned that you're, you're like, the Dolphins can't be this bad. I'm back in the Dolphins again. And then all of a sudden it's the six, like six, six weeks in the season and you've lost six super contest points because you keep backing the Dolphins. Are you worried about that? Well, I didn't put them in the super contest last week. I'm not putting them in the super contest this week. So you're sure. not worried about that. I do know a lot of sharps have been on the Browns for years because the value just says take the, take, to Browns, you know, whenever the, the spread gets too high. Uh, this is way too high. Like this is, this is in historic territory. So that's, that's the only reason why you play the Dolphins. I have a stat here that says there's been four favorites of more than 16 points ever. They're 0 and 4 against the spread. That's the 2012, the, the 2012 Patriots went 18 and were 18 and a half point favorites. They won by just three in Baltimore. The 92 Bills lost in overtime as 16 and a half point favorites on the road. The 92 Niners were 17 and a half point favorites. They won by 12 in New England. And the 87 Niners were 23 point favorites. They won by eight in Atlanta. So none of them even came close to covering when you look at the box scores you see how those games went back and forth um so it's just hard you know playing in the florida heat i see a conservative game plan from the pats they don't probably don't want to get their banged up offensive line letting people in to, to hit tom brady so stick to the ground game let the defense do its job get out of there with a low scoring win 24 10 or something like that who cares if you don't get the cover if you're new england so i love the under you know i know you have a stat on the under as well i like the dolphins i wish the books would let you parlay both since they're going to be correlated but i don't know who's going to be able to get that but you know, check around to your various books and see if you can get a little parlay there with Dolphins in the under. But you can't parlay the Dolphins in the under? No, they don't let you parlay from the same game because it, it exposes them a little too much. Your expected value for that game, um, if the Dolphins are covering, it's going to be a low-scoring game more than likely. So you're just you're going to beat the books more often than not, and they're not in the business of handing out free money, so they probably won't let you parlay that. Um, Let me see if I can parlay. Can I not? I think I can parlay. I can parlay that. I yeah, think I can do it. Like if you can oh, do it, no, do it. Not be combined. Oh, not like I'm betting right now or anything. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you can't combine that. All right, all right, good point. They must have, uh, that's a new, a new update. You used to be able to do that. Well, that's a shame. Um, yeah, I, uh, the Patriots have, uh, been double digit road favorites 10 times since 2008 and the under has hit in every single one of those. You can kind of run through the game script in your head and why this would make sense. The Patriots go on the road as huge favorites. They score early, they get up, they play suffocating defense, they pound the ball, 
and they get out of Dodge with a win. I think Sony Michelle is a great DFS play this week because of that. I think they'll feed him. Didn't have a big game against Pittsburgh, even though they were up. Um, wouldn't be surprised at all if he ran a lot. Actually, I think Rex Burkett is kind of a sneaky play too, just because maybe they, if they're winning big, they don't want to waste those carries with Sony Michelle. Is that a possibility? Yeah, I think in GPPs, you know, in big tournaments, throw, go ahead and throw Rex Burkett in there for cheap because not a lot of people are going to want to take him as the, the backup, backup running back in New England, but he could get a lot of work in the second half and score a touchdown, get you, you know, close to a hundred yards. Yeah. I mean, I think, and like we talked about the Antonio Brown thing earlier this week. I really think the Patriots might have wanted to showcase him previously. I think now they would probably prefer not to do that if he even plays. We don't know how what's going to happen, and we're recording this on a Thursday evening around 6 o'clock, so a, a lot could play out between now and the start of the game. But um, I, I think that the Patriots would like to get in there. They don't want to humiliate Brian Flores. I, I just think the under is a great play. So the under is one of my best bets this week. Um, and is it one of yours too? Uh, I don't think I put it as a best bet, but I agree that it's going to hit if you want to throw it in our parlay. Um, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Well, uh, I just scrolled up on the wrong thing. That's fine. All right. We're going to put the under, uh, can we take it at 48? It's down to 47 and a half on our sheet. Let's do 47 and a half, I guess. Mm, buy it to 48. Whatever you see, you can take if you want. Patriots under 48. Buy it at 48 if you take this parlay. If it's at 47, might be a little too late to throw in your own parlay. Jaguars at Texans. Nick Foles, no mas. Gardner Minshew. Fun facts about Gardner Minshew, RJ. Uh, he is Gardner Minshew the second, but there's no Gardner Minshew the first. Um, and, uh, his dad, his father or his grandfather, one of them wanted to name him Beowulf, which who doesn't want to name their kid Beowulf? I might go downstairs and tell my wife that I'm changing Robbie's name to Beowulf. I think that's a pretty badass name. What do you think? That's amazing. Like, could you even have a better, like, fit for a Jacksonville quarterback than Gardner Minshew? <laughs> Just looking at what he looks like. I mean, he, he's like Prince Prisco's confidence be, come into, like, full form, <laughs> full form. And, and he's become a quarterback that looks like the star of, like, the replacements, too. You know, he took the Keanu Reeves role from the replacements. I mean, he's just well, perfect. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he shows up on this season of The Good Place, you know, as Jason Mendoza is, like, number one fan of uh, Gardner Minshew. It's crazy. You know, in Pulp Fiction, when um, they've got like they take uh, Marcellus Wiley's soul out, you know, and it's like in the briefcase. Mm -hmm. Like if you took Pete and you like held him down and you cut open the back of his neck, like you would pull out like you would pull out this like soul, but you would sit on the ground. It would just be Gardner Minshew. Like mm -hmm. that's what's like living in the back of Pete's head. It's this little like slice of Americana, like George wearing mustachioed Jacksonville Jaguar dude from Bama. South, like South Georgia. Yeah. I mean, I'm in, I'm in on Gardner Minshew. I don't know if I'm in on Gardner Minshew this week winning straight up, but as a nine point dog at Houston, I think the bigger storyline here, RJ, is, uh, that the Jaguars defense is very good and could get after Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think it's a stay away on the spread. I don't want to take a rookie sixth rounder in his first start on the road. You know, I think that's pr probably a bad idea as much as we love Gardner Minshew. I really don't want to lay nine with Texans against this defense because that Jacksonville front four should eat up the, uh, the Houston offensive line that, that did add a good left tackle. You know, he, I don't, he was shaky a little bit in his first game, but he's going to be better moving forward. Now they got to spend eight first round picks and trade for four other offensive linemen because they still got work to do. Uh, that defensive line should run rampant on there. I think Ramsey's going to show up for this gameplay better than he did. Bouye probably show up, and uh, you're going to see a low-scoring game here. That makes it a little harder to cover the nine points, but I just don't know that Jacksonville is going to score much on offense, so I think your best bet is to take the under 43.5 here and stay away from the spread. 
Uh, I would agree. You have that as a best bet, by the way. Yep. Okay. Uh, and just to clarify, a little note from Debo in my ear, two points of emphasis here on that Patriots. You actually did have the Patriots under as a best bet, uh, as did I. So we're putting the parlay. Little weird here though. It, we got it at 47 and a half on the Westgate. It's 49 right now. Does that concern you? Um, no, I think that's probably public perception. You know, I just think the game script plays into the Patriots having to pound the ball out in the second half. And that, and I don't know what New England, what Miami's going to do to score points on New England. So 49, like, let's take it there and make that our best bet since if we're going to be locking in this parlay in real time on Thursday afternoon, might as well get that 49. It's 49 under 40. I'm going to lock in this parlay. Like after we get done with our consensus picks, Patriots under 49 minus 115 on the juice. Obviously, if we liked it at 48, we love it at 49. That's an extra point. And I, I think that's a key number. That's a key number, right? 40, yeah, 40, 48, 49 is every I mean, 48 is 24, 24. So you're talking about six touchdowns, two field goals. Yep, for sure. Uh, moving along and I, I'm with you. I, I would lean Jaguars if I'm taking the points that many points. Don't love it. I think the Jaguars defense will step up. Uh, AJ Bouye revenge game kind of ended that, but, um, I like, I like that under too. I could see that being a little bit of a slog fest, maybe even the first half under too. I could see teams kind of feeling each other out. Uh, Chargers minus two and a half at the Detroit Lions. Hello, stinky line over under 47 and a half. The Chargers suffered more injuries as we detailed with Heath Cummings. Uh, Hunter Henry out. Um, if you're listening to this now and you want to know who to replace him with in fantasy, go back and listen to that podcast. We got some great ideas and, uh, Mike Williams banged up as well. The offensive line hurt. Phillip Rivers can't get a contract from the Chargers, can't get any help. What I mean, these guys are like the West Coast Redskins. Where do you, what do you look at here? A little road chalk with the Chargers. Yeah, Derwin James still out, Russell Okung still out. I mean, I wish we could get three here with the Lions. I really do. Um, you know, but that was an awful coaching job by the Lions. I had some optimism on this team heading into and the, you know, the analytics sites, the sports lines, the football outsiders really were positive on the Lions this year. They thought that eight wins was a possibility, maybe even competing for a division title. Um, maybe that hasn't changed much in a week one, but for three quarters, they look pretty good, especially on defense. So maybe there is something to that. Maybe we didn't see the best of the Lions here and they're going to get whatever happened to them in the fourth quarter quarter ironed out so i think we're probably getting value here on the lions i'd probably wait and see if we can get it at three and then grab it at that point um yeah i think i'm going to throw the lions into uh my money line parlay my money line dog parlay so right now i got the giants broncos and lions so far built into that parlay uh i i don't i don't have the lions as a best bet but i do like them here the chargers have been better on the road lately and they've been better in September. I know they're one six and two in, against the spread in their last nine games in September. Two and a half, two and a half point. I mean, like I, I, I think they've been good. They've been able to win games they normally didn't used to win in September. So that's a little bit concerning. But I do think this Detroit team is good. And the Chargers gave up 174 yards to Marlon Mack. RJ, like I would not be surprised at all if Carryon Johnson had a huge game against this Chargers defense. Yeah, and you bring up the Chargers playing better in September now. They're winning games they usually don't win. They did it last week because another kicker screwed up. Usually they're the ones with the special teams <laughs> issues. All of a sudden, Adam Vinatieri, one of the best kickers in history, misses two field goals and an extra point. I think the, the Colts probably should have won that game outright, and we're probably getting a little bit of false uh, points built into the spread with the Chargers winning that game. Mm, that's a good call. Yeah, I would lean Lions here. Not one of my best bets, but would lean that way. Uh, you want to win a million bucks? Yeah, you do. Who doesn't want to win a million dollars? Now's your chance. All you have to do is play the CBS Sports Parlay Pick'em game. 
in week one, a, per, a player hit a perfect parlay, 16 to 16, but fell just short on challenge questions. Ouch, Dacker. This week, it could be you with a million dollars. If I I'd come after whoever wrote those challenge questions, you could be you with a million dollars still sitting out there. The process is simple. Download the CBS Sports app or go to cbssports.com slash parlay and submit your parlay card once you're done you're immediately in contention for big time cash prizes including the chance at one million dollars if you hit the perfect parlay plus you don't have to hit it big to get a big payday you earn points for every correct parlay with ten thousand on the ten thousand dollars on the line for the season champ you can even start a buddy group by inviting friends to the competition for more action so what are you waiting for download the cbs sports app or visit cbssports.com slash parlay now to take your shot at a million dollars uh t terms and rules for details rj i assume you and i are not eligible but eh, whatever um i think i definitely like third they're, I think they're I not letting had, me into that contest i mean what are you just a parlay master no I, I i would assume i have better odds at hitting something like that than than like the normal person that's gonna enter it just because of how deep i dive into the the gambling side of, of things that we can and week out with you i was sort of thinking you would have a better chance because of all the blackmail you've got on the people who run the tech side of things <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't have any of that. Uh, yeah. 49ers. Yeah, yeah, no, what? No. 49ers at Bengals. The Bengals minus two over under 45. This line shifted big time, man. This is like a, it was like, I'm mad at myself because I saw it on Monday and it was since it was San Francisco minus one and a half at Cincy. And I was like, oh, I'm going to definitely take the Bengals as a home dog as good as they looked. And as questionable as San Francisco is, in my opinion, you know, fueled by two pick sixes against Jameis Winston. And then by the time I actually got back around to potentially taking it, it had already moved. And so um, I, I still like the Bengals a lot. And, in fact, I'm going to lock it up as one of my best bets. They're 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games overall. What we saw from Zach, Zach Taylor is, is I think, legit. I, I think they have been, you know, dealing with a, a bad coaching staff that has just undervalued the talent or underused the talent that they had on this roster. I think Andy Dalton's a, you know, average to above average quarterback who's sort of feeling, feeling himself a little bit, a little bit of new life, slung it around in Cincinnati. John Ross is actually playing well. Um, CJ Uzama and, and Tyler Eifert, two options at tight end, not bad. Tyler Boyd is the guy who would play in, in FanDuel and, and DraftKings this week in DFS because he's cheaper than John Ross. Uh, Joe Mixon banged up, but Giovanni Bernard is perfectly capable of running the ball. And I don't think San Francisco is that good. Plus, you think Jimmy G's Hans himself is sleeping in an Ohio, like he's in an Ohio motel, sleeping with some fleas. You think he's having a good time this week? No, this team's going to be coming out slow. Give me Cincinnati all day here, RJ. Yeah, I'm sure they're staying in a flea back hotel. This is the problem with trends, okay? They're 5-0 and against the spread in the last five games, but they're really 1-0 because how are you going to count those four games from, from December under Marv Lewis? I mean, that is, I don't think you really take that into account at all. This is a completely different team. San Fran's 1-8 and straight up in their past nine road games, as we're showing on the screen here. But, you know, eight of those last eight, a lot of those in, involve the, uh, the backup quarterbacks, Nick Mullen, CJ Beathard, you know, Jimmy G got hurt in, I think, the third week last year. So, I mean, you really got to take into account the matchups as they're presented themselves right now the Bengals sure look like the better team of these two last week but to echo my Josh point Allen point from earlier are you going to take San Francisco to win back-to-back games so yeah it looks like definitely go take the Bengals but that line opens up like you said one one and a half it's moved significantly it's moved three and a half four points 
you know, I think we just take our uh, week one overreactions, you know, code it into, into play and fade the overreaction and just think that maybe San Fran will keep it close and win the game and the Bengals weren't as good. I think if you're looking for matchup advantages, I think that San Francisco front with Boso, with Buckner, with uh, D Ford now, they're really going to have an advantage over a Bengals line we still think is bad, even though they held up pretty well against Seattle uh, last week. So if, if I'm looking for an edge, I look for this 49ers front to dominate. I probably would lean more toward the under, uh, you know, if you can get it at 40 at five and a half or 46 instead of 45 let's go ahead and play that under um but you know leaning toward the 49ers don't really love it i just stay away from the spread okay uh i will uh i'll eat my spaghetti covered in uh or my noodles covered in chili you know like eat it like crow if uh if the Bengals don't win this game i think they're gonna roll by the way rj referenced the graphic on the screen if you're listening and you want to watch on youtube youtube.com slash cbs sports let's say you're hanging out in your house Right on Friday because you got nothing else to do and you wanna you wanna listen to the podcast. Download it anyway. I'm not saying don't say don't stop downloading it, but you can throw us up on the big screen on YouTube. We get those views. It bumps the views up. If you love us, play it on YouTube as well. Maybe you could do it both. You could simultaneously play us on audio and video. Oh, I know. Mute your TV. Spend like 30 minutes trying to line it up. What do you think about that, RJ? You play. It sounds you like how you want to spend a Friday or Saturday. That sounds awesome. Absolutely. You hook your phone up. You download the, the podcast. Hook your phone up to your sound bar. This is what you do on Friday night. This is your Friday night, everybody. You you, you Bluetooth it to your sound bar. And, or I guess you Bluetooth it to like your, your Echo or whatever, your Amazon uh, Alexa thingy. And um, you do that. And then you play us on the podcast there. And then you mute us and put us on YouTube. It'll just be a real – then like you know, crack a bottle of wine. You know, yeah, the, be- the better thing to do is leave a five-star review on iTunes, and I guarantee you Will Brinson will come to your house and set this up for you so you don't have to. I, I, I will do that. I will do that. for a, I don't know about a five-star review. Sure. Let's do it. People are like, you can't even mail us beer, like T-shirts. You think <laughs> he's going to come to our house and set it up? Uh, moving along in our uh, list here, Vikings at Packers. This is where I believe that I get scared. Uh, Vikings at Packers. Packers minus three over under 44 you know I love the Vikings, um, but they're outdoors. What do you, what do you got here, RJ? I, I, I'm a little worried that you are in the opposite direction I am here. Yeah, they didn't have to do a whole lot offensively in their opener, so I don't know what we can judge their offense that much. You know, they just ran it all over Atlanta, and Atlanta couldn't do anything on their offensive side. Now they go on the road to Green Bay, where they've had trouble winning games if they don't get to face Brett Hundley or a one-legged Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, you know, I, and that was even a tie. So who knows? Um, I'm leaning the Packers here. I love. Laying only three at home, but I do think that it's the juice is that it could move to two and a half. So wait for your two and a halves and try to get them at two and a half. I know we know the Vikings want to run on offense. Well, the Packers just allowed only 46 yards on 15 carries in the opener with another team that wants to run on offense. I think that Green Bay defense has really improved. I think it's more likely that Aaron Rodgers scores some points against that Vikings team playing outdoors away from home than Kirk Cousins to throw it all over this Packers defense, which does look better. So lean 44 on the under, uh, lean to the under there, lean to the Packers minus two and a half three and then if you can get it two and a half probably a best bet for me if it got to two and a half mm, um i took uh you know i took the um i took the vikings here plus three i was sort of thinking I, I don't know i don't really know what i was thinking i saw vikings getting points i thought people would kind of be on the packers a lot because of uh because of how they play not that they played well on offense but but how they you know how they played in terms of winning the game in Chicago. Maybe the Packers are back. They got a great defense. And I really think Minnesota is, is I think they're one of the three or four best teams in football this year. I'm, I'm buying into them. And so I'm, I'm a little worried that maybe my sense of having to get behind my Super Bowl pick might have fueled an early bet on Minnesota plus three. Um, but I, I, 
yeah, look, I still like it. I think it'll be a close game. I am a little worried that maybe I got aggressive on that. So Minnesota, not a best bet for me. I am taking Minnesota against the spread. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think you have to, Minnesota has to be a much better team than Green Bay because Green Bay doesn't get just three points for their home field advantage. They have, they're year in and year out one of the best home field advantage teams in the league when they're not playing their backup. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers obviously healthy right now coming into this game. I would probably give him four points for home field advantage. So if you think these teams are even, my line would make it Packers minus four. If you think the Vikings are a point and a half better, then go ahead and take the Vikings because you're getting a little bit of value on plus three. Uh, if you mm-hmm. think the Packers are better, then obviously best bet, you know, roll with that minus three any thoughts on the did you yeah i would I, i'd probably lean under two i think i guess but i'm a little worried that this turns into remember last year when it like kirk cousins is like winging the ball 40 yards down the field and the the Steelers play i'm just a little worried it turns into that type of situation anyway um, much better defense this year though i mean those those two cornerbacks were were you know there's what second game ever you know and now they got better as the season went on they obviously had all those front seven additions to the defense so i think that green bay defense is much better than it was at this point of the year last year and we know Minnesota's defense is very good. I don't think that we ought to. Aaron Rodgers is not going to have a field day against him. Uh, Chiefs minus seven at the Raiders over under 53 and a half. Boy, this line has come down, actually, RJ. Yeah, my lean here would be to the over. I'm going to be on a lot of Chiefs overs this year because it looks like that offense is as good as advertised. You know, it doesn't even need Tyree Kill. They're just throwing the ball all over the place anyway. And that defense looks pretty terrible too. I mean, Gardner Minshew completes his first 13 passes in a row because they can't, they can't stop the rookie six-rounder in his first game ever. Um, so I'm going to be looking to play overs on Chiefs whenever I can. The Raiders look better than anybody expected on Monday night. Um, that offense, you know, Derek Carr also had a lot of completions. I think he might have had, what, four incom- incompletions in the game. So... It could be another 40 to 26 game that the Chiefs win. They get, find themselves having to beat these bad teams 40 to 26 a lot and you're just catching in your over tickets. So I think over is the way to go here. If you want to tease it with like, say the Chiefs down to one with the over, um, they might let you do that because I don't think that's as correlated. Um, but maybe you can get away with it. Who knows? But, but, uh, over, over for me before I play the, uh, the spread here. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I thought the Raiders offense looked pretty good. I do think they'll come down a little bit from where they were in terms of being juiced up of the Antonio Brown stuff. I would probably lean Raiders getting the points. Um, but I, I like that tease idea or incorporating the Chiefs into a tease because I think, I think they're going to win the game and I think the Raiders will struggle to keep up with them. But I'm not sure the Chiefs are slowing anybody down, so I'm I'm down with you on the uh, on the over in that situation. Not, I mean, I don't think it's a best bet. I just, the game kind of stinks. Andy Reid's history, you know, he wins in Oakland, but he doesn't really blow anybody out. You know, he's not like I don't know. His history in Oakland is not that fantastic, so it's sort of a stay away from me from from that perspective. Saints at Rams, Rams minus two and a half over under fifty two and a half. Yeah, this is a lean to the Saints for me. I almost made it a best bet. If we if it had stayed at three, I would have made it a best bet. So hope you guys were able to get plus three when it was available. The Saints team has struggled out of the gate the last five years. They were one and nine heading into last week, uh, straight up. You know, with that only win against Cleveland, and it looked like it was going to be more of the same. You know, they were down fourteen to three at halftime. They were struggling to get anything going offensively. Then second half, they finally caught fire. We know what happened at the very end of that game. They kicked a long field goal to win it. You know, that's a game that they have been losing year in and year out. So I think they're in a better spot now than they usually are. Uh, the Rams weren't as impressive as the score would indicate. You know, I complained earlier about the Panthers losing those fumbles. So I think they could come back to the pack a little bit from what we saw last week. 
Um, I don't have too much confidence that offense getting stops against the Saints, that defense getting stops against the Saints. So it's on the offense to keep up. And the Saints D might be getting Sheldon Rankins back. He returned to practice on Wednesday. He was limited. Uh, that would be huge if they were able to have him against the Rams because we know they're downgraded on the interior this year when they lost several players on the interior of their offensive line. So I think the Saints are going to go into LA. They're going to win this game. They obviously want revenge. I waited this long to bring it up. They want revenge for that NFC title game. You saw all the people in their ref shirts in week one and, uh, and the Saints Saints players are really going to take that mentality into Los Angeles and want to show that they're the better team. So give me the Saints to win outright. If you're putting together your little underdog parlay, I think you definitely want to throw the Saints in there. Oh, you do? I, it, was, it was mostly home dogs. Should we throw the Saints in there too? I think throw the Saints in there. All right, Saints. I, I think the Saints are going to win. I took the Saints. I got it plus three. I like the over in this game too. Same reasons that you mentioned. I think they're going to be mad. I think they'll be motivated. I think they'll come out strong and – Eric Weddle is a huge – I assume Eric Weddle is not going to play. I'd be stunned if he plays. I mean, he's a huge he, loss. He was limited on Wednesday, so there's a chance he does play. He's bleeding out of his head for like five minutes on the field. How can he play this week? It's insane. Um, if he plays, maybe I like the over a little bit less and the Saints a little bit less, but I'm still I'm still in on the Saints. I think they go out there and take care of business, and I am still not sold on Jared Goff. That was not a strong performance against the Panthers. Todd Gurley – there, there's something wrong. I mean, like, if you got Todd Gurley in fantasy, I know Chris Towers and a bunch of guys are hyping him up. That's fine. Sell Todd Gurley now while you can, while his value's peaking. Cause it, he's, he's probably worth, I don't know if you can get like Julio Jones for him or anything like that, but you could package Todd Gurley and somebody else and get Julio or Devontae Adams or Juju Smith Schuster. I mean, get, 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 get out from under this Gurley thing. Cause it's going to crater on you. So Giants, Broncos, Lions, Saints, part of our money line parlay. I'm going to add one more here, RJ. Give me the Falcons. My, one of my best bets. Falcons catching one and a half against the Eagles on Sunday night football. Are you kidding me? We got a home dog on Sunday night in prime time. I think the Falcons offensive line is a major problem. I think their defense is a major problem. I'm not sure they're a good football team, but they're playing at home and they got Matt Ryan and the Eagles defense and particularly the secondary, which will be trying to slow down Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley does not look like the type of unit to me that is going to do that considering they gave up a bunch of points to Case Keenum. I know you love the Eagles. Uh, I think the Eagles are a great team. They'll be there at the end of the season, but I'm going to take the Falcons in this one. Yeah, my lean would be the Eagles. This game's going to get decided with that uh, Atlanta offensive line against the uh, Eagles front four. So you really have to take into account, do you think that with Caleb McGarry now taking over the job full-time at right tackle, is that going to be the difference to them uh, having success? Uh, they lost Lindstrom, so the interior of the line might be a little suspect. The Eagles lost Malik Jackson, but I would argue that the Eagles have a better plan B in place because Timmy Jernigan's still there. He could step up and handle a starter's amount of, of uh, snaps at defensive tackle, and they have a pretty solid rotation behind him, too. So so I think that the Eagles' defensive line is going to win the day here. Uh, the secondary does worry me, so maybe the over is a good pick. You know, a little bit hedge on that. But uh, if I had to take one side, I would say that the Falcons blocking just doesn't live up to to what they need to do, and the Eagles win the game. So one and a half isn't isn't really that much on the spread. Whoever wins this game is going to cover. So give me the Eagles. All right, fair enough. Uh, and look, they, I'm petrified. I, I don't like the Falcons this year. I'm off the Falcons, but I just I week two. Home dog in prime time with the with the freaking Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and a and a desperate 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 Dan Quinn. Yes, the offensive line defensive line matchup is a problem, but it was a problem for the Broncos and the uh, the Raiders too. We saw how that worked out. All right, let's run through our best bets really quick. Pete's best bets, four of them: the Steelers minus four, the Bills minus one and a half at the Giants, Dallas, excuse me, Washington plus five at home against the Cowboys, Denver. Plus two and a half at Chicago. RJ's best bets. Do you want to read them, RJ? You want me to? Go for it. 
Okay, cool. Uh, RJ has Pittsburgh minus four, just as Pete does. Denver plus two and a half, like Pete. Fading Pete, head to head against Pete with the Giants plus one and a half. The under in Jacksonville, Houston. The under in New England, Miami. Those are his five best bets. And by the way, remember, you can go to youtube.com slash CBS Sports if you want to see these all written down and you, you're driving your car, you don't want to type them down, but you want the locks. My best bets, Brinson's best bets, I got the Falcons plus one and a half. I knew what the order was, just to make sure Debo had it right. Denver plus two and a half at home. That's our consensus lock of the week, along with the, we like the Steelers. Cincinnati minus two. The over in Pittsburgh, Seattle, and the under in New England and Miami. Um, and then we have two parlays. I don't, I assume we don't have graphics for these, but that's fine. We'll tell them what to on the podcast anyway. Um, first up is our consensus, our super star smash factor consensus parlay. So we'll call it, we're Alaskan pipeline parlay. What do you want to call this thing? Just call it the pick six parlay. Why are you trying to be so difficult? All right. The pick six, the pick six parlay of the week, Steelers minus four, Giants under 43 and a half, Broncos plus two and a half, Patriots under 49, currently at minus 115 juice. If it's at 48, anything under 40, 48, take it. Um, and then the money line, a super, the money line dog parlay of the week. I love a money line dog parlay. This one pays out big if you hit it. Giants money line, Broncos money line, Lions money line, Saints money line, Falcons money line. Parlay those all together and, uh, be prepared to, you know, hedge off when the, when, uh, when you go four for four for, when you go four for five heading into Sunday night football a little bit. Uh, any other thoughts before we get out of here, RJ? I would love to get the Saints in our little, uh, consensus parlay too, but I, I checked the picks, uh, I, no, I checked Prisco's picks when, uh, when you were reading through the best bets and he's on the other side. So I don't think we can, we can legally put, put him on, uh, in our little best bet parlay. I, I feel like we can, Pete would be fine with the Patriots under, but I don't right. think we can force him into the Saints. Right. I think, uh, yeah, I think the four we have is good. Okay. Well, we got the Saints involved in multiple, at least we don't need the Saints to go to rip apart a parlay. We'll let the Broncos do that. All right, this has been the Pick 6 Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Go to Apple Podcasts. We're trying to bump up those uh, reviews and ratings, so hit that up. Uh, follow RJ White at RJWhite1 on Twitter. Go to Sportsline.com. Use promo code WHITE. Get your first month for a dollar. He'll have all his picks for the week there, including his five for the Super Contest, once they get locked in. And uh, talk to you next week, buddy. 